just gonna go ahead and shout out to Pizza Hut one more time because they had the fucking pizzas good, man. <laughs> Was that your dinner today? To some. No, we had to get some this week. Uh, mm. I guess I should have saved it for my week. I just figured I'd go ahead and shout that out. Because again, I don't know how long their uh, Pizza Bites thing is gonna be in. It still sure. says it's a limited time deal, so. Yeah, might as well shout them out. Ain't, you know, if they they want to cut us a check for you know advertising, <laughs> that's fine. We're not going to turn it down. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. I need to stock up on my candy, man. I realize that my candy stock is getting low. <laughs> Can't have that. I must be getting sick or something. Shit. <laughs> Uh, I want to start this episode out by giving a PSA to our audience. Uh, this is nothing game related. This is just real life shit. Uh, I just want to tell you that in your personal life, if you ever feel that in any given situation you have been overpaid, you need to check in on that. I mean that in any facet. If you feel like your work is overpaid you, if you feel you've been overpaid like a refund in taxes, uh, you know, some bonuses, military pay, uh, incentives, anything like that. If you feel that you've gotten extra money, even when you're like 90% sure you're entitled to it, check into it. Because if you don't, and it turns out that uh, you did, and you s- have spent the money, that shit can bite you in the ass. I feel like this there's a story a here. <laughs> I don't want to go into the details of the story. This is like real life and kind of work, college shit related, so it is mm-hmm. what it is. But just a, just a, just a thing, you know. I'm sure this this doesn't apply to everybody, and it, even the people that it does apply to, it's only going to affect like 1%, but... When you may be potentially talking about thousands of dollars, that 1% person is like, yeah, man, this sucks. So, you know, in life, just keep on your P's and Q's, uh, especially if you're the person that has like multiple different incomes coming f- to you different times of the year. Because, yeah, it'll put you in a fucking situation. It'll piss you off at a minimum. At a maximum, it'll it'll set your finances askew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody wants that. Nope. On the lighter side of things, another public service announcement. Uh, another shout out, actually. Uh, if you haven't, if you by chance have a local uh, Olive Garden nearby, and I know, hold on before you start throwing the restaurant shovels at me. Uh, I want to shout out a drink they have. Man, I'm telling you, I'm just all about just trying to get some money for this podcast. <laughs> Um, not really. I just, I just generally like the things that I like. I likes what I likes and I like people to know about it. There is a non-alcoholic beverage drink they have there called, it's a Kiwi Melon Lemonada. Weird, strange, fancy sounding name, but it is very good. <laughs> I think it's like two bucks for a cup. Tell them easy ice to get some more. Mm-hmm. That one's free. You can have that. That's some good shit, man. It's a, uh. It's a lemonada. It's a lemonade type thirst quencher drink, man. It's fucking delicious. And it, I have gotten, I think, like seven other people hooked on it so far. And that count is rising daily. Nice. I go get them. My girlfriend's uh, just talking about going to Olive Garden. <clears throat> so maybe we'll have to try that it. out. 
Yep, check it out if you're not, you know, <clears throat> if you're just, you want a drink, especially a non-alcoholic one, it's definitely a good one. Mm-hmm. If anything, get it to go and drink that shit later. Like I said, it's a good casual sitting around what the fuck ever drink to. Um, anything besides the topic today uh, that we can think of news related, Chris? Uh, it's going to be kind of rough because most of it was in the, the <laughs> yeah most of it was in the topic for today. I feel like there was something, but it probably related to topic if I remember what it is. Yeah, I think there was too. Like I said, most by the time that we record during the weeks anyway, I've already listened to like almost all of my podcasts. And I always I get a lot of my news filtered through those guys, and I hate regurgitating. So I, I don't want people to think that like I'm just copying, but that's legitimately how I get most of my news. I should be the good sleuth and go to you know the thirty or forty different gaming sites and pick it out myself, but I just don't have time or motivation to do that. And I already I already ingest at least three separate podcasts, so you know they're they're gonna tell me what I want to know, <laughs> and they're weekly, they're updated weekly, so yeah. Uh, I really can't think of any man. Nothing, any nothing that was uh pretty big. And again, because of the topic today, most of it was most of it probably going to be covered there. I mean, uh, I, I can I throw out that uh, Twitch is going to be streaming uh Pokemon starting next week for uh, all month. Really? Yeah. Really? Like the the Pokemon show, or just like yep. Pokemon games, or what? Uh, nine hundred thirty two episodes of the Pokemon anime series, as well as every movie. Holy F and A, Cotton. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, it, I didn't realize there were that many in Pokemon. Oh, God. Yeah, I started watching it on Netflix, and I was like, I have no idea what this is. I was like, let me just go back to the start. I <laughs> watched from the beginning. <laughs> um, but yeah, Twitch has a channel called Twitch Presents, and they will do stuff like that. Like, there is a Doctor Who one. Um, I think right mm-hmm. now there's something related to uh, K-dramas. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then starting the 27th, it will be Pokemon. Wow. So. I was just looking up. Uh, I always hear that One Piece, the anime, yeah. I didn't know that that's like an extremely long time running anime series. And I was wondering how how the Pokemon series compared to uh, One Piece. And according to the Wikipedia article for One Piece, they have 850 episodes. So... <laughs> Sounds like if you want to waste three years of your life, you've got to pick your poison. The Pokemon or One Piece? I wouldn't recommend both. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend both. That's cool, man. That's cool. Because I think the new Pokemon game comes out. Uh, I think there's a couple Pokemon games yep. up and coming. Um, let me check our upcoming games tab. Um, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu come out November 16th. Yes. Yes. The get the year is not over, folks. There's more shit coming. No, nah, we're we're about to get into the big uh, months. Uh, oh, we've really? had some decent yeah. releases so far, but then you know, next month Spider Man Shadow Tomb Raider, uh, October has Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Mega Man Eleven, Super Mario Party, Battlefield Five, mm-hmm. uh, Red mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, November has Hitman Two, Fallout seventy six, and the Pokemon games and yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get even more after that. And that's just the big ones. You know, yeah. there's others scattered in there that may or may not be uh, worth playing. 
that is something that I gleamed off of uh, Giant Bomb that I just remember. They were talking about Battlefield Five and paraphrasing, mind you, but they were saying that the uh, pre-sales for Battlefield Five are so bad that they're basically going back to the drawing board for I don't recall what. I don't remember if they're um, maybe trying to add more incentives to the game, if they're changing things about the game, if they're changing how they're doing pre-sales and pre-orders. I'm not sure, but... I hate to hear that for a Battlefield specifically. I mean, it's not a it's not a big deal for me in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that gaming is a fucking business industry. As sad as that is to say, you know. Um, yeah. But if you if if given the two bigs, the two big first person shooter genres, if you told me that was happening, Call of Duty, I'd be indifferent. I'm slightly less indifferent to Battlefield because I don't, you know, I prefer that one. I don't want to see them do any kind of bad. I also haven't played Battlefield since Battlefield 3, so <laughs> my my opinions are skewed. You know, I don't know what they've changed. I don't know how off or different 4 and 1 and World War 2 or what the other ones are like. So, who knows, man? Maybe they've maybe they've kind of drifted away from the the core of what I know and the core of what I know is Bad Company 1, 2 and and Battlefield 3. Yeah, you know, I actually um, heard uh I'd have to go back and look up the article, but I think I saw an article similar to that about the Pokemon games coming out. Uh let's go even Pikachu. Really? That their uh, pre-sales were lower than they expected. But, you know, I'm not surprised when it's all said and done, because it's coming to Switch instead of a DS. Mm-hmm. If it was DS, yeah. there'd be no questions asked, you know. That's just how it is. But this is the yeah. first time a main game is on the Switch, so there's a different uh, barrier to entry, you know. Now they have mm-hmm. to have a Switch. Maybe they never had one. Maybe they only had DSs. Um, I'm probably going to buy another Switch just because of how it's designed, and um, I don't want to share mine with the kids, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So makes sense. I, I mean, I haven't pre-ordered the game, but I'm gonna buy at least two copies. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. And the other thing with the po- the Pokemon game is that you can get the uh, the little Pokeball controller thing. Mm-hmm. And I was going to pre-order that, but then I didn't. Um, I think because of shipping time or there was a reason i ended up not pre-ordering it so even though i haven't pre-ordered that's still two copies that are going to be sold so right i'm not going to read too much into it um i expect that once it comes out and people actually get their uh well this is the this isn't the mainline game that's also one thing to keep in mind that's next year this is just the hybrid pokemon go mainline game you know the bridge between the two yeah um, yeah. So that's not terribly surprising as well. It is, it is something for, it, it is a conversation piece I guess we can talk about is do we, how, how do we think, how do you and I feel that pre-sales de- determine like game quality? I, I gotta say, man, this, the, 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 the more that I get into subjects like this, the more mm-hmm. aggravated I become because it starts <laughs> pulling back the, uh, legitimately, man, mm-hmm. it starts pulling back the curtain for me of the elephant in the room of what gaming is. And I mean, guys, let's fucking be real here. Even back to Nintendo days and Atari days, it's always been a business. Yeah. It's always going to be a business. Now, you're very fortunate or we are very fortunate that that industry 
spread across the multiple companies, both hardware and software alike, they are filled to bursting with passionate people. You know, you have programmers, you have passionate programmers, passionate idea men uh, and women, passionate music composers, passionate story writers. Yeah, I get all that. It's great that the, that they're, I'd say that there's a good mix. Um, and even that, even that's, kind of wishy-washy i'd say there's I, I i hope in my naive mind that there is a mix of like i don't know 75 percent passionate gamers and the other 25 are yeah we're just business people i am i am john c stennis i am just a programmer that's all i know how to do mm-hmm. well dude you're programming for you know ocarina of time sequel man i do not care i sit in front of a computer and i <laughs> i program exceedingly fucking fast uh, Albert over there, he programs a little slower than me, but his passion for this game is unrivaled. We just happen to be sharing the same office. I don't care about Ocarina of Time. I don't care about video games. I am told to program, and I program and I write a check. I get that those kind of people can exist in the industry, mm-hmm. but I have this feeling that there are a lot of people in who are like, no, man, I... It, it brought tears to my eyes the day that I got brought on to the Street Fighter scene. You know, that yeah. Capcom hired me to be a art designer, you know, not even a lead. I, was, I just got to be part of the guy that drew that draws the background, you know, that kind sure. of thing. So while it's great that there hopefully are passionate people in this industry, it's still about fucking money at the end of the day for a lot of these companies for a lot of this shit as much as much as we see on stage with E3 and all these other great venues and we see these what look like passionate people about we're just excited to bring you the next great game experience there's people behind them in mm-hmm. a fucking room smoking cigars going this game is not selling its pre-orders okay you guys told me that this is going to wow the audience and we we're going to see you know 400,000 pre-sales. We see 22. We need to we need to do something. Not we need to make the game better. You know, not we strictly need to do things. We need to get more bells and whistles out there. We need to get more attention, you know. That's what I fear with when I hear things like this. Like I I shouldn't even know or care that a pre-order is or is not doing bad. But because of the information industry that we or age we live in, I do, and and then when I do, I go, man, why? <sighs> it's almost like you you it, you can't really win in this kind of conversation. You can't really win in this scenario because at the end of the day, it is about money. It's going to be about money to somebody. Yeah, you know, you. It's great that there are companies out there that are highly passionate about making games and they will bankrupt their life for that. God, don't fucking do that. But (laughs) it's great that those people exist. But when you're talking about Bethesda, when you're talking about EA, when you're talking about Square Enix, when you're talking about Capcom, yes, you have passionate people there. But when a game will not sell, they're not going to do that. You know, what do you, what do you think about pre-sales and it's, it's outlook on the gaming life. I mean, I, as you said, they're businesses. Um, so there's some level of analytics I go in that just makes sense, you know. Um, I, I'm kind of curious um, how bad the pre-order rate is for either of these games we've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because if it's a little low, not a big deal. You know, they'll just maybe ramp up advertising or, you know, do something a little bit different to uh, or special to kind of boost them. Uh, some of them, I mean, if it's bad enough, like the Pokemon game, I don't see anything changing. But a game like Battlefield, that's totally up in the air. And they, I think it's, for them in particular, I think it's more of a big deal because of all the bad press they've had lately. Um, yeah. With Battlefield 4, all the stuff that went on with it, uh, or w- whatever other releases they've had. Um, yeah. All of that, and then to see the pre-orders not where they want them to be, it's like, okay, we're still suffering. Now, are they just still suffering because of previous bad press, or do people genuinely think there's something wrong with Battlefield 5, what they've seen so far? You know, right. it's kind of hard to determine just based on pre-sale numbers, um, which it is. Because a lot of people yeah. are like, well, screw them. You know, they pull an ad, I'm like, screw that publisher or whatever because of their mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, you know, buy their products anymore. Nothing you can do about that with Battlefield Five. You know, you're just screwed overall. Um, right. I'll admit I haven't looked that much into Battlefield Five, so I don't know. Uh I don't really have an opinion on it. It's just another yeah. Battlefield game for me. Um, mm-hmm. Not my typical game. But, you know, the industry as a whole, I think it's gotten better about the, uh, you know, the higher-ups that are not necessarily gamers, don't really care about gaming. They're just there as part of the industry and business side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've improved on that front. It's still going to be there. It's still going to happen no matter what. But I do yeah. think we've seen a lot more from companies on the side of gamers and less on the side of yeah. business. Uh, yeah. they. I think they've come to realize that if they just pump out stuff, if they force game releases, if they do all these things, you know, that gamers complain about, they're going to see worse sales. You know, maybe Valkyrie yeah. 5 is an example of that. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's... It's something that has to be fixed because um, the industry can only, <clears throat> excuse me, a whistle there. The industry can only uh, maintain that for so long. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to go back and, and it, I don't know, I, I wouldn't like to. This is too much homework for me to have to deal <laughs> with. But I'd like to go back and see what the industry was like. Maybe the companies, it'd be, it'd be so hard to get an analytic analytics on this. But mm-hmm. like how did the game industry strive before pre-orders were even a thing? You know, pre today, if you wanted to pre-order Doom Eternal, you can go online through to probably no less than fifteen or twenty various places. <laughs> yeah. You're almost gonna pay around the same price, shipping and handling. If you get a physical copy, it might be your only difference. Mm-hmm. But you can also, I would assume, you can also buy digital pre-orders as well. Yep. And you can have that game to where. And especially if you get it pre-ordered digitally, a couple days before the game releases, you can start pre-downloading the game. And the day the game is released, you can download and play it. Take me back to 1996. What the fuck? What's a pre-order? I didn't know what a pre-order was. If that existed in that time frame, I didn't even know about it. Take me back to 1986. What? What <laughs> pre-orders? What do you mean I can pre-order... Uh, fucking ninja turtles 2 i don't know if that we did years of reviews i should know the years these games yeah. came out but the point still the point still remains like this is 
we are so spoiled with the the day and age of the gaming industry that we live in with pre-orders and save states and save your games to the cloud and yada 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 i'd love to know the the industry stro strived back then it it did its own thing i guess now there's just a different offset for a company to look out and go yeah People are just are not that hype about this game. Well, I mean, it may be that, but it may be people are just waiting for it to come out. And I could see how it could work out. You know, obviously, if I'm if I pre if my pre order sales are a hundred thousand copies, but this other game is like thirteen. I, I get it. Yeah. Obviously, more people physically wanted the game, even if half of those people back out. You're still it's the, the it's still on their side, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it just it starts to reek of that that fucking snake coming around the corner going, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to fucking make that bottom dollar, make that <laughs> bottom dollar. I can't think of too many instances lately where I've been personally hurt because a company canceled a game uh, aside from the Mega Man franchise. And I don't even know if I really don't even know why. That's something for me to research in my own time is why all that went down the way it did. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I mean, and, you know, there are people out there that love the Metal Gear Solid series or Metal Gear series, you know, there's, maybe they figure out why all that shit went down between Capcom or Konami and uh, Hideo Kojima. Um, I just, I, f- I always have this, this leering whisper in the back of my head that goes, man, you know, it was because of money. You know, you had, there was this game that was, that was up there and up there and up there. And for whatever reason, they just didn't see this game panning out good enough. What was, uh, there was an Xbox One game that was supposed to be coming out in a year, or maybe it was even supposed to come out this year. I forget the name of it, but I remember the E3 trailer for it was like a guy with some headphones on. And he was running around at the speed of sound, got places to go, got to follow my rainbow. Oh, that's Sonic. He was running around with headphones on, and there was like a dragon. I think he either summoned a dragon or he paired up with a dragon. I might be wrong. Maybe fought uh, with a dragon. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. That wasn't um, at the last E3. That was like a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember if it was last E3. I just remember it was an, um, it was an E3. Um, the only thing I can think of that anything do sound like a dragon was like Scalebound or something like that. Scale was it? Was it Scalebound? Uh, I think I don't know if that was the actual name. I may be remembering it wrong. Uh, I don't think it was Scalebound. <clears throat> Everybody listen to us type. Yes, Scalebound. Yes, right there. Perfect. Chris, you're a fucking genius. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So this game. Now this game is an example of what I mean. I this is something for us to research, something for me to research, or somebody to give us a well actually if you want to write in and tell us about it, what you what you found out. But I was remotely interested in this game. Yeah. I was eh, it seems pretty cool because it's got a fucking dragon and it's the the trailer looked okay. It looked pretty cool. It looked like if this trailer for me compared to uh, Sunset Overdrive, I wanted to play this game as opposed to Sunset Overdrive. Sure. Uh, this game got canceled from what I remember. I think it got canceled either this year or late last year or sometime. It just got dropped. Just got canceled. And I'm sure both internally 
and through the media and press, there there's probably a legitimate reason or a cascading amount of reasons why this game got canceled. This game, the trailer that I saw, looked at least the gameplay looked like a late build, unless they specifically modeled that trailer around this, which I, I don't know. I don't see that. I, I don't remember dates. I don't remember. I can't recall when the trailer came out, and I can't recall when the game was supposed to be released after the trailer. So All I remember is that... Go ahead. It was announced E3 2014. It was not shown at 2015 uh, at E3, but it's shown at Gamescom. Uh, mm-hmm. And Topical. it was set to be released in late 2016, was delayed to 2017, and then was uh-huh. officially canceled January of 2017. Okay. Okay. Well, this is way old news for me then. I thought this was, I thought this was this year. Anyway. This is a prime example. This game looked pretty cool, looked pretty interesting. It was it looked it's a new IP to me. If it's if it's a remake of something, I've never heard of the original, but it looked cool. And the game just got canceled. And all I'm getting at with this whole entire skill bound uh, spotlight <laughs> is that I feel in my mind instead of. 16-year-old naive me would have been like, oh, man, that game that I saw in EGM got canceled. Man, that sucked. It looked pretty cool. Well, I guess maybe they ran out of money or maybe the company got bought out or maybe there there, they just there was too much ambition and they didn't have enough shit to work with. And ex- excuse, excuse, reason, reason. 36-year-old me thinks, man, it probably just didn't look like the money was projecting well enough for them. That's that's what my mind always defaults to now because I know that that is the industry. It is still about money. You don't have to look far, you know. Look at look at loot boxes, look at pre order bonuses, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's an odd one too because it was in development by uh, Platinum Games too. Oh, um, man. Microsoft IP, but developed by Platinum Games. Mm, another stake right in my heart too because platinum is one of those companies where hey give it to platinum they'll make it good yeah <laughs> platinum is the opposite way from ea for me <laughs> when, I, when i think about the two companies if i think about a game and they're like hey we've got this game idea be it a previous previously known ip or a new ip and we want to give it a particular touch you give it to ea mm. We're gonna make money off that fucker. <laughs> that, that's what I feel they do. You know, we're we're going to machine press this game. Platinum. Oh, oh. Let me show you some shit we can put in this game. Mm. And then you can play it, and you can definitely tell it has a platinum touch to it. You can definitely tell it's a touch of EA too. It's almost a touch of death at times. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. So, yeah pre-orders and look i i'm not against pre-orders either that's totally not what this whole thing is about either i've got i have right now the new spider-man pre-ordered and i have uh i'm trying to get the doom uh eternal pre-order as well uh i like pre-orders solely for the fact it's it's a lot of the mainstays that people go for pre-orders for are kind of secondary and tertiary for me like the fact of uh, a perfect example, being able to pre-download a game, you know, a few nights beforehand and have a lot of the bulk, have some of the work done ahead of time. That way, whenever the day itself drops, the game doesn't take as long to download. That's cool. Yeah. That That's awesome. You know, um, 
the main reason why I like pre-orders is just because my money is sometimes it's here, sometimes it's not here. And if I have the ability to get it right now and can get it, that's cool. I can just buy it and have it. I don't have to worry about it no more. There's no receipt needed, no standing in line, no none of that old school shit. It's just, hey, it's the date. Got the game. Cool. Yeah. I like being able to just order something and then not think about it until it comes out, you know? Precisely. I've That's got, exactly how I have it, Spider-Man. I've got three things pre-ordered right now. I think I've talked about this oh, before. Yeah? I have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Kingdom Hearts 3, and the Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, good God, so you have a three and a half year pre-order, Chris? <laughs> hey, I've had that pre-order on Final Fantasy VII Remake since august of 2016 oh. i've had it for two years now game probably won't come out for another five <laughs> but i got it pre-ordered <laughs> it better too man nobody wants to get that email uh, so hey so we're refunding that money back to you because i just i don't think that's gonna happen man i that get yeah take your time square it's okay i get it just don't fucking ruin that game, you know? <laughs> but actually release it eventually, please. Yes, please do. Like, I mean, take your time, but 10 years is un- unacceptable. <laughs> I can yeah. us take our time. Uh, this uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake, to me, is such... It's, it's another tale of an industry thing that I was just talking about. Like, I always... Again, 16-year-old me, hey, why do you think they would not make a Final Fantasy VII remake? Man, because they probably don't want to touch that. Well, if it's 96, I don't even know the game. It's not time yet. That game's not even out yet. Uh, Why wouldn't they remake Secret of Mana? Why wouldn't they do that? Well, it's probably too soon, or they probably don't see a real reason to remake it because it's it's so soon. Uh, They don't have a different type of game they want to make it uh they're treating it with respect and they don't want to touch it right now and that's kind of the way i thought about final fantasy 7 for a long time too but i also thought man again this is just so shitty that i even think this way but i always thought man they're they're saving a final fantasy 7 remake from when the company's doing shitty and it's time to fucking make some money because there is nothing I can't really think of too many other things beside, besides a Chrono Trigger remake. And even that, I mean, I love your Chrono Trigger, but as far as popularity, come on. Final Fantasy VII is known every fucking where. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrono Trigger is arguably a better RPG. I say arguably, to me, it is a better RPG. But, I mean, again, if we're strictly talking popularity, Final Fantasy VII. And if a company like Squaresoft has such a massive titan behemoth popularity game like Final Fantasy VII, if they're going to remaster it, that's pulling in money. That is guaranteed gold in the bank. And I don't, I don't know anything about Squaresoft's financials. I don't know how good or, I mean, the Square Enix financials, I don't know how good or how bad they're doing. All I know is they're remaking it. I'm going to say partially due to peer pressure. <laughs> I'm going to say partially to them releasing a fucking demo for PlayStation 3 and people are going, wait, you're not remaking it? Nah, that was a tech demo. A tech demo. 
So we don't have this coming. Nah, man. Come on, you guys, silly. We're not remaking Final Fantasy VII right now. And then they're murdered in their sleep for the stupidity that they did. Yeah, you know, thinking about it now, um, thought just came to me, and I don't know if <clears throat> this has been mentioned anywhere or not, but I wonder if part of the reason for the delay is because of the next gen that's coming. Could be. Because we're see, that's some, getting those oh, words, man. those whispers. That's something else, man. Like, that... Like, I get it, I understand, but don't make me wait for a game because you want the next console. Like, come Mm -hmm. on, man. Have faith in your product. We're already talking about the PlayStation 4. Even if you're pushing the limits and saying it's PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah. We're talking about the fucking PS4. And then, I guess, simultaneously, PC and... I don't know. Fuck it. Shoot for shoot for billions and release it all across the board. No. We're in the eighth generation of consoles, man. It's okay. Release it now. Well, you know, Cloud's hair will look prettier on the PlayStation <laughs> Five. I don't fucking care. Like I don't. I don't care if I can see the skin bumps on Tifa's arms or the individual hairs of fucking Nanaki as he's running through. I don't care. Like, this is a remake. You have teased it years ago, and you have now promised us pretty much that it's you are making it, and it's coming out. Yeah. Don't make us wait another three years, and the reason being, oh, we were waiting for the next gen. We were waiting for the next best thing. No, I, <laughs> I believe, I don't know if uh, there's any exclusive uh, console, I don't know if it's only for PS4 uh, right now, but <laughs> imagine the money. Sony would make if it was a PS5 launch title exclusive. Jesus. Consoles sold. Yeah. Sold. They would not have enough production to make the, to make the amount of consoles they would need. You would damn near see the, you would see the Nintendo mini situation, but with a fucking console. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I say that too. This is another reality that I had to face. As much as I love Final Fantasy VII, and as much as I truly believe that the world knows about Final Fantasy VII, RPGs are only a solid chunk of genres out there that Mm -hmm. the mass populace care about, one. Two, Final Fantasy VII was when? 96? 97? A long time has passed, man. A long time. And a lot of Final Fantasies have come and gone, too. And Final Fantasies have... In the, I say in the opinion, they've gone down. Yeah. So I feel that there is the possibility that while I, the 36-year-old guy, is like, fuck yeah, this is going to be great. This is awesome. This is a tribute. This is something we, des- we deserve. When I look, when I tap the 23-year-old co-worker on the shoulder and go, hey man, Final Fantasy VII is getting remade as he's playing, you know, whatever. He's like, yeah, that's cool. I heard about that game back then. That's the <laughs> one where that girl dies, right? It's like, yeah, man. That, yeah, that, but they're remaking this game. They're remastering. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. But they're all, I mean, yeah. Mass Effect Andromeda 2 is coming out. God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, no. <laughs> we haven't heard anything Fantasy from them, have we? No. I wonder what they're working no. on. They are wallowing, and you know what? They're going back to the books because the the sales weren't that good. No, the sales weren't that good, my friend, and neither were the opinions. That's what you need to focus on. 
Uh, you focus on the feedback and less on the money. The money, hopefully, the money talks. But and you know that's. I was actually going to bring this up in our what we were talking about before. Um, I think developers and the you know the company publishing companies have realized that when a game has that effort and that passion put into it, they do so much better uh, more times than yes. not. Um, looking at all the indie hits that are just from passionate you know developers, maybe one guy. Maybe a small mm-hmm. team, but they're making so much money because they made a game that, you know, they would want to play, that they thought others right. would want to play, not just, well, let's see how much money I can make off this, you know? Hollow Knight is a prime example. Uh, I mean, there are several, there are several out there for you to pick from mm-hmm. via Steam, but it's, it's, it's such a, a perfect example. As far as I know, the only person that I've ever heard about this was the uh, uh, the uh, William something William Jalen Jalen William Pe- Pellin William Pellin, uh, and I mean, I would th- maybe he had a small team, maybe three or four friends that help that helped him out on things. But either way, that is pretty much one guy, and that is a huge, extraordinarily good Metroidvania game. You know, that is passion. That's somebody who sees his the their own sweat and blood go into it, and they go back and back and back and back to the drawing board, perfecting it. That's awesome. As opposed to, hey man, let's let's do uh, the next fucking Star Wars game. You know, Battlefront Three, right? Right? Yeah, let's go. The next Mass Effect, right? So, yeah, Stardew Valley was one guy. I think it still is. Even with all its success, I think it's stuck with the one guy. Yeah. Uh, Dead Cells is another one. I'm not sure if he... I don't remember that guy's name. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that's just one person. And I'm not saying that the greatest games in the world have to be designed by one person. I don't think Chris is either. I think no. the idea is the that's somebody that says, I want to make this kind of game. You know, I've grown up with these types of games. I love those types of games. I've had my own ideas about what would make them better. I see ideas from other genres or other games that make it better. I'm going to make my own. And then you look at a AAA company that puts out something like Mass Effect Andromeda and you go, guys, you really don't have an excuse. Yeah. I, I, I get that these are also two completely different games. Okay, let's make that distinction really clear. If you put... Hollow Knight next to Mass Effect Andromeda. So many obvious differences are going to come about. Okay, you've got a 2D side scroller. You've got a 3D, arguably a a galaxy uh, universe exploration RPG. Yeah, I get it. More resources are needed. You need you need voice acting. You need better music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's just that mentality of looking at a game that's par or subpar. And then you look at a game like Hollow Knight or Dead Cells, and it's like, mm, resources was your problem, huh? Mm, <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't say. You know, you could even take it back old school. You know, you look at it again. Nah, you'd have to do that in its own time frame. But like taking a game like Super Mario Brothers three, you know, you just here you go. Here's one game. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love passionate people. Oh, oh, Chris, God, man, there's another good example. Uh, the uh, the Sonic game, Sonic Mania, mm-hmm. boom. That's somebody who's like, yeah, I love Sonic games, and here's how, here's my vision of it. You have a fan, a fan 
essentially came in and schooled Sonic Team on how to make Sonic games. Alarm bells are ringing here, you know? You know? Oh, man. Uh, I'd be like somebody coming to me and saying, hey, man, I want you to make the new Mega Man game. I got you covered. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and make a, a fucking racing RPG simulator. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a Mega Man game, and I'm going to try to keep it to the core of what I love about Mega Man and what I think makes Mega Man. Yeah. Not, oh, I got $4 million. <sighs> Ooh, anybody here play Witcher? Let's make a Mega Man Witcher game. That's a good idea, right? Yeah. I don't know why I just did Jerry from fucking Sonic. Jerry. Uh, yeah. Passionate people, man. And I agree, too. Uh, I This is so much homework you're trying to put on me, Chris, but I'm not doing any of it. It's something <laughs> good to go look at. It's 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 good to be able to see uh, E3 as an example. When you see these conferences... And, and even for me, who doesn't do a lot of homework, I don't follow news completely. I don't have all these developers' names off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But I know through external resources, be it podcasts or magazine articles or whatever, somebody would get on stage, uh, especially like reaction videos are good ones. I think uh, Easy Allies reactions, they, they were really good about, oh, that's so-and-so. He used to be uh, a a a, a product manager at at uh, Konami. Before that, he was a lead uh, character designer at Square. Before that, he was a uh, games journalist for this company. It's like, okay, this person has been around and has moved up the ranks, and now he's, you know, the head game designer for Bethesda. That's fucking awesome. It's it's great when you see those. It's yeah. great when you see those people, and not only do they talk passionately about what's going on but you can tell they're like man back when i designed the music for goldeneye i never thought i'd be here doing this and you're like fuck yes <laughs> it's it's sad when you see the suits mm-hmm. in, in in comparison it's sad when you got john q fucking bow tie up there was like gonna give you the latest gaming experience if you look on this graph you can see how our products are making mo so much money and you're like oh man here's a clip roll it vince do it's like you are you're <laughs> so sad you suck so bad and then you got fucking t-shirt mcgriffin coming out no, hey man. All right, so uh, I'm the project designer for Cyberpunk 2077. Here's what I've got coming, and you're like, yeah. Oh man, it's good. It's good stuff, Chris. Yeah. How's your week been, man? You know, not too bad. Um. All right. Well, you heard it right here. Chris is weak, so my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Producer. Um. Whatever you say. <laughs> That's, I mean, hey, I kind of fucked myself <laughs> on that one because I did just ask you a question and I got an answer. So, I didn't, I, hey, Chris, t- why don't you tell us about your week? That would have been better. But how was your week? It was good. All right. Well, <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a week of wanting to play more games than I have time for. Um, you know, it's one of those opposite of the drought where there's nothing to do. Um, uh huh. So start off as normal, not to, you know, change things up on anyone. Uh, played some Destiny 2. I'm still... Destiny 2 section. Yeah, I'm, I'm still... I've still got so much to grind through. Um, I was actually playing it earlier, 
I was waiting on dinner to cook, uh, trying to grind out some <clears throat> uh, public events to get one of the materials I need for a thing I need for the shell that's part of the Moments of Triumph, you know, for this year. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think I've almost, I, I need, kind of need to go back and see if it's even still possible. I may have procrastinated enough to where I've screwed myself. Oh, and no. uh, I don't know if I have enough Is time for everything. Possible? Yeah, because of like I saw that there's a thing you can only do three up per week. Um, oh, I don't know yeah, if I did enough right. last week. Uh, so if you botch this, does it just mean that your grinding would take longer? Is that what we're getting? Uh, it means I you, couldn't do it. Or would you miss out on something? I would miss out. I wouldn't be able to complete it because it ends uh, end of the month. Uh, oh, so I, I don't think I have. I think I was far enough along that. I'm right at that cutoff, essentially. Um, yeah. I might, I don't know, I'll have to go and actually see, but I'm going to keep going like it's, you know, not a big deal. But if I miss it because of that, it's going to be very annoying. But at the same time, if I find out that that's the case, I can go, okay, well, I can stop grinding. <laughs> I can oh, stop worrying man. about everything else, you know? The fucking mental gymnastics that you're going through this with this game are just, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the game, but this grind is ridiculous this time around. You know, yes, yes. I, I don't mind completing all the events. I'll do all the raids. Sure. You know, I'll do them now. I still haven't done them. Um, but I'll probably do them this weekend. Finally knock them all out. I'm okay with that. It's one event. You know, I know I just put a group together or find a group and go do it. Um, but some of these, like the strikes, I did some strike grinding the other day. I don't know how long I played. It's probably only a couple hours because I couldn't bear it for very long. I got three, you know, levels with the Vanguard. I have to get to 50. I'm at 28. You know, I was at 25 when I started. <laughs> so I got a whole three uh, levels. But that was with, you know, minimal trying, minimal effort. Yeah. It's just so painful. Um, trying to figure, you know, Google and figure out what the best ways to optimize the grind just to hopefully reduce it some. Jesus. Uh, and this is a, this is probably the most brutal moments of triumph there's been. Um, and, you know, but thinking about it, a lot of it is probably as grindy as it is because of how little I've actually played the game, you know? Right. Um, right. I've talked about, you know, once I was done for with the, you know, story and done with uh, the, because uh, I didn't want to do the raid. Because I didn't like the raid when uh, it dropped. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't do the first raid, I didn't want to do the raid layers that followed it. Because, you know, I'm obviously missing a... Uh, because they're related to the first raid. Because normally, missing a raid isn't wasn't a big deal in Destiny 1. Because they were all separate DLCs, unrelated to each other. Yeah, yeah. And D2, they're, the raid and its raid layers are all related. In ways, so we're saying story wise, they're related as yes. well. Oh man, oh, as, as no. far as I know, I could be mistaken. Someone could correct me on that, you know. But I avoided yeah. them because I was like, "Well, I didn't do the raid. The raid layer takes place in the same place, so that's mm. kind of why, you know, I my assumption is that they're all related, and based on you know the name and stuff, it's all it makes sense, you know, with the story. Yeah. So I don't want to do that, and you know. Not know what's going on. Not that it really, ultimately it wouldn't make a difference. It's all mechanic based raid. There's no lore based raid, so I wouldn't need to know what the previous one was, you know? Um, yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's been pretty painful, um, and I've had no motivation to do it this week. Uh, I think Friday I played for a bit, and then Saturday morning I think I played for like two hours, and I was like, "All right, I'm out. I've had enough of grinding. I want to go play something fun." You know. Um, let me. Yeah. Let, let me ask a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give a lesson to. MMO are the, the audience members that don't know a lot about MMOs and how they work. Mm-hmm. That's going to preclude. It's going to be a prelude to the question. Okay. So, and I, I'm going to use Final Fantasy 14 as my example because that's the one that I know the most. In Final Fantasy 14, when an expansion comes out, or or even even new content comes out, here's how this shit works. Usually, the new content will get released. And there will be a set amount of raids, say three or four. There'll be multiple tiers, but the tiers won't necessarily be difficult. It'll just be different raids. So you'll have in the same difficulty group, you'll have one raid where it's kill the enemy. The next one will be uh, defend the base. The next one will be, and I know these don't exist. I'm just trying to give broad examples here. And then about a month or so later, maybe even weeks later, the ex, the harder difficulty raids will come out. The, the upscale of difficulty raids. And the idea is you want to have been doing the raids originally, that originally came out, so you can have better gear to not only do all the dungeons and the quest lines and everything else and have you that, have that time be a little bit easier on you, but you'll be geared up for the harder extreme difficulty raids. Yeah. Now, typically, that's your main goal. Your your uh your crown, your achievement, your mental goal, your your goal post is to I want to beat those difficult raids all the way through. And again, there usually be about four of them. They're all different in mechanics and they're all but they're all pretty much the same difficulty length. Like you could do these original raids at, oh, let's say your gear level needs to be like level 200. That means you have at that time the, the maximum, the, the best helmet, the best chest piece, the best boots, the best weapon, etc. But this raid content coming out has to be higher. You know, you're looking to be like 250, whatever, just making up shit examples. But even when the new difficulty content gets released, that is your goal. You want to beat the first raid, beat the second raid, beat the third raid, beat the fourth raid. And in 14, typically, they would give you lore progression every time you beat one. Granted, you're going to spend like, you know, a week or two on that first, on that first raid. But once you beat that raid, you get some story. Now you can have the second one unlocked, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Depending on how good you and your raid group are, you're gonna you're gonna potentially spend a lot of time in that difficulty raid. You're gonna spend a couple weeks, if not more, on every single raid itself. And then if it's like month two, because the new content comes out every three months in Final Fantasy fourteen, once you have comp- accomplished all four of those higher difficulty raids, that's it. There's really nothing else for you to experience because you have done the most difficult thing in that game and gotten the most difficult side quest uh, style storyline. My question to you is, Chris, mm-hmm. 
what is the rating and the grinding? So the the grinding in Final Fantasy fourteen is going to be get better gear, get better gear to beat to beat the difficult raid and get that experience, get that get that chivo, that mental chivo. Yeah. What is the grind that you are pushing yourself through now? What's the reward for that going to be for you? So, the normal grind in D two is you know max out your light level um, or your power level. That's the base goal, you know. That's your first objective uh, for pretty much any content, whether that's raid or PvP. You want to, you know, level up to max light. Um, not as much impact in PvP, of course, but it's still yeah. there. Uh, the secondary objective is to get the weapons you want um, or armor that have the perks and whatnot. Uh, now, of course, that's been stifled some in D2 because there's no random rolls, so you don't have that much grind for that. You just have to get that particular piece of equipment. Um, right now, what I'm grinding for is essentially nothing more than bragging rights. Um, yeah. The moments of triumph, I've talked about this a little bit, it's the annual list of objectives to basically say you did everything in the game for that year. Um, it typically consists of beating all the story content, uh, getting, uh, certain, doing certain other side quests, um, that aren't necessarily story content, but are there, uh, this year, the big things that are hurting is that there is get rank 50 in with the, uh, Vanguard, which are strikes, and get, I want to say rank 30 with the Crucible guy, which is much easier to get. Um, and I've already got it from all the PvP I do. Uh, but strikes are a waste of time, aside from the Nightfall, which is probably where I hurt because I didn't do the Nightfall. If I was doing the Nightfall every week to get, you know, those better drops, then it probably wouldn't be so bad. Uh, but those are two of the big ones. There's unlocking this ghost shell, the one I was talking about I was working on uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing more than a ghost shell that you get from it. And, <clears throat> or, well, you get weapons along the way. And some of them are decent. But the ghost shell at the end is nothing but a ghost. Ghosts are almost cosmetic. They have very little benefit. It'll be like, oh, 10% more experience or 10% more money from a particular... Uh, event or uh, game mode, I should say. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else there is. There's there's a couple other things, but I think I already have them done. There's, you know, find all the collectibles that are around the maps, which I can just sit down with a checklist and knock those out pretty much in one day if I wanted to. Yeah. Though I did start working on one of them, and it's one I talked about it has, like, side quests in the middle or whatever, and... Mm-hmm. Actually, this is another one that would have them. Because I went around collect. I got about six more of the collectibles. Because that's all I was going to do was do those collectibles. Um, and then I ran out of the items I need, which doesn't help. <laughs> but then I got another side <laughs> thing in the middle. I'm like, am I stuck? Can I not do any more until I do this? Uh, but hopefully not. Um, because it's ec- uh, escalation protocols, which are a type of public event thing but it's much more difficult um, and it 
it's a lot harder to do with randoms. It's something I'd have to have to actually sit down and find a group to do, um, which I haven't done. I can probably knock that out yeah. this weekend with the raid when I do all the raids and stuff. But it's just another thing that has to you know have a big group to do, and that's kind of what's hurting me this time because I haven't been doing these things along the way. Um, yeah, that's kind of a big part of it too. You know, if you do weekly stuff, even just doing the weekly objectives, you're typically going to have most of the triumphs knocked out. But I just, I've had no desire because of the way they changed the system. Yeah. The milestones are the only way I can level and those get so repetitive. And now I can't even level up with the milestones because they have a cap on them, which is yeah. stupid. Um, so it's really hurting, really hurting. Let me... Let me ask. Let me ask this another way. Okay. Again, using fourteen as example. Let's say you just started fourteen today, and you didn't pick up the potion or whatever to make you level sixty. Yeah. If you were looking at the first set of raids, the first uh, binding coil of Isaac raids, uh, binding. Jesus Christ, the binding coil of Isaac. Wow, <laughs> that's too. So yeah, fuck Bahamut. We're just bringing in a whole new game. That's the fucking title for the episode right there. The Binding <laughs> Coil of Isaac. How did I do that? I don't know. I guess I, there's binding in it. That's my excuse. So, God, my wife's going to hear that and go, wow, really? <laughs> uh, so if, I, if I'm looking at the Binding Coil of Bahamut, the mm-hmm. first, f- I think there's five in uh, the first uh, first tier. I'm saying, wow, those raids look cool. I want to do those raids. People are going to go, wait, hold on. Number one, you need to go through all of the content in the game to get to the correct level. And and I may be wrong on this, but just using it as an example, once you get all the story content done, which the story content completion unlocks the ability to get into the raid, you're going to have to grind for a while to get better gear and more levels to actually physically compete in the raid. Or participate in the raid. Mm-hmm. So once you're actually in the raid, uh, you, in my mind, you're not grinding anymore. If you're in the raid, you're progressing. Uh, I mean, yeah, it'll kind of feel like you're grinding because you're beating your head against the wall through v- the various phases. But for me, grinding is I have to get from level 1 to level 60. I have to go through this, these dungeons over and over. I got to do all my dailies all the time. I have to keep, I basically have to do these quests and dungeons and whatnot to get experience to increase my levels and then increase my levels to get to where I'm going. But once you're in the raid, you're just progressing. You're beating your head against the mechanics and trying to do better. So which of those two are you in the process right now? Are you physically grinding to a goal to get somewhere? Because to me, dude, if you're grinding and at the end of the grind, it's just I did it. God, that hurts me even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you grinding where you are or are you beating your head against mechanics to finish it? I'm I'm grinding because I just have to do the oh. things over and over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my heart. I mean, oh, I, man. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty much all grinding. I Even when – so you have to grind – to get drops for your light level to go up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. still a grind. Um, right now, like I said, I'm grinding for essentially bragging rights. And yeah. the only reason I care about it is because I have it for the last three years, you know, with D1. I have everything. Yeah. So not doing it now, it would be painful. 
you said you do you you're gonna get some kind of drops out of this are you gonna get like um, better gear but even even better looking gear would be cool uh the the soul- how are people going to know that you did it that's what that's what i'm getting at. um typically there are uh uh what do you call them uh jesus not shaders but the uh emblems uh there are emblems um okay. The Solstice armor set is, you know, very distinct, and it's kind of uh, one way to have max power. Uh, kind of a cool. side way. I, I'm not, I'm actually, <laughs> all things considered, I'm not an, a huge fan of this method of getting max mm-hmm. power um, because the Solstice stuff was pretty easy to do. Yeah, um, as yeah. much as I, you know, thought it was going to be a bad grind, when all, all when it was all said and done, my armor was 400 power in like a day and a half, which isn't long at all. You know, if I was yeah. doing that in the raid, it would take weeks because of limited drops. Uh, if I was doing it in Iron Banner or, you know, another thing, assuming they I would actually go to cap, it would take right. me, you know, at least a week or two. And they don't even go to cap yeah. anymore. So pretty much stuck to raiding Nightfall, which you can only do once a week. So this is a very cheap way to get to max light, which... It is yeah. what it is. Um, it's kind of nice in its own way. Uh, but I'm trying to think of what else there is. Uh, one of the things, I've never bought it, but doing at least a portion of the Triumph, Moments of Triumph, uh, lets you buy a shirt for the year that you can only buy if you've done this. Uh, the The top level goal, which I won't hit because I'm not going to do solstice on everything. Uh, one of them is uh, a ship. It's an exotic ship, which is cool. Um, but I probably won't get that one. I'm trying to think of what actually is on the rest of them. I have the page up. Let me see. Uh, mm-hmm. My next reward is a sparrow, which are the little hover bike things. Uh, I've already got the emblem. Yeah, I think the sparrow is my only next thing I have left to get. I've already gotten the ghost and the sparrow, or not the uh, sparrow, but the uh, emblem. And the emblem says what your triumph score was. So, uh, and this is something new. Uh, the previous ones didn't really have, I don't think they did. They may have, and I didn't pay attention. But on the emblem, it actually says, you know, up to 400 how many points uh, you have towards the moments of triumph. 400 being the max. So I'm sitting at 275 out of 400 right now. Um, I could knock out another 100 easy or another 75 pretty easy. It's that last uh, 75 or so that's going to be rough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just bragging rights. I just hate to hear that you're grinding it through and you're suffering, man. I feel you. Yeah. I believe me, I feel you. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, I don't enjoy playing the game. I do. It's just the what I'm doing while I'm playing sucks. You know, strikes suck. I hate strikes. Right. Um, yeah. I literally only do them when I need to for weekly milestones. Um, and even that I didn't always do. Sometimes I would just do the PvP and that'd be it for my week. I wouldn't touch strikes. Because they are very repetitive, and for them to be worth it, you have to do the higher difficulty ones. Well, because it's higher difficulty, uh, the way they work is they have modifiers. 
So your melee damage may do more, but enemies do more against you. You know, so you basically get one shot if you get a melee range of an enemy. That's not fun. Uh, yeah. They actually took out one of the strikes because the modifiers made it almost impossible to do. Um, yeah. So it's it takes the fun out of strikes, but then grinding the normal ones. First off, I don't even think they counted for the weekly milestone. I haven't looked uh, to see if it spe- uh, specifically says heroic, but they don't even count, so there's no point in doing them. Heroics drop better gear, so once you're past the you know first soft cap, there's no point in doing the normal ones. So it's yeah, if it was you know an Iron Banner's Crucible, I sure I'm gonna get a little tired of Iron Banner, but at least it's more it's not as boring because you know there's a lot more yeah yeah there's a lot more thought to it. You're actually going against other people, so you're you know, having to think about what you're doing. Strike is like, all right, shoot the enemy, move up. Shoot the enemy, move up. All right, what's this boss's mechanics? All right, let's try. Oh, we died. Let's try again. We died. Okay, 10 minutes later, hey, we finally beat it. Great. I got nothing worthwhile. Let's do it again because that's, you know, what I have to do for this objective. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I'd much rather play Crucible than Strikes any day of the week. Um, even when I hate it and I'm sucking at it, uh, at least it's more to it, more fun. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, well, thankfully, uh, cause I gathered what you were getting at, uh, <laughs> destiny two was not the only thing your week was consisting of. No, I actually played very little, but I think I got about four and a half hours total or no, that was a different game. Um, even well, probably about the same. I think I got a total of like six hours of Destiny Two um, before I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, and then I decided to uh, play some more Graveyard Keeper. Okay. Um, I, I may have been a little hard on the game last week. Um, I put in. I'm up to 29 hours on the game. I don't know what I was last week, um, but I think I've probably put about 20 hours into it since then. Uh, the, the iron bottleneck is rough. Uh, it did get better after I got past that point. Um, I'm actually to the point where I have, I can easily get so much. And it's one of those cases where, again, if I'd done things in a certain order, wouldn't have been as big of a deal. If I'd found certain things before, wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Um, it's just my particular circumstances made that really suck. Um, yeah. The... I was, I, uh, mentioned some concern about it kind of, uh, having that, you know, once you get past the bottleneck, it just, you're going to be done with, you know, most of the stuff there is to do. Yeah. Um, not really the case. Um, I, I got over the iron bottleneck. I got kind of pretty much past the blue experience or points, whatever they are called, blue points. Uh, I got past that bottleneck. Um, that one took some more time, but it wasn't as grindy as the iron was. It made sense. I was like, okay, well, I can do this, this, and this to do it. I can spend some money to make it go faster. You know, I felt like I had more options, even though there was really a lot of, uh, not many options at the time that I knew of. Uh, but I got through that, and then it's like, okay, well, now what do I want to do, you know? 
And it kind of opens up after a point where, all right, well, which approach do you want to make or, you know, use? Do I go for focusing on the church, focusing on the prayers in the church, you know, focusing on the graveyard itself, making it better? Um, do I focus on my uh, smithing? Do I focus on my carpentry? Do I focus on alchemy for the bodies for the graveyard? Um because that's a whole aspect of it that there are whole aspects of the game I still haven't touched, even though I have them unlocked. Just because I have oh, wow. to dedicate the time to either gather materials, spend energy, or do something to accomplish that. Like, you can, surprise, surprise, uh, uh, bomb bodies, right? You inject them with stuff and they have different effects. Well, to get that fluid, uh, you have to break down certain materials to get uh, ingredients, you know, powder, uh, extract, and fluid are the three categories. of. Uh, and mm-hmm. one item may give you all three. One item may give you one of the three, you know, uh, of a particular type. Like, for example, there's life essence, essentially. So there's a life uh, extract, a life powder, and a life solution that's the other one uh that's the fluid one i said so i there may be one item that gives me two of the three like i can break down uh cabbages i think and that'll give me life powder um or i can get the life extract but i can't get the fluid i don't think or the solution rather you know so you you kind of have to get all these materials uh some of them aren't aren't bad some of them aren't are easy uh, but that takes, you know, time dedication to do them. Uh, I can, you know, working on the graveyard, I need bodies, right, to bury. And then I can upgrade those graves and make them look pretty and everybody's happy. Well, to get more bodies, I have to have carrots for the donkey. Because the donkey brings me my bodies and he won't bring me bodies if I don't feed him carrots. So now I have to garden. Okay, well... What do I need a garden? I need seeds. Okay, where do I get seeds? I have to go buy them. Um, well, what if I don't want to buy them? Well, I have to buy them to start with, uh, harvest them, and use fertilizer to uh, actually get enough seeds back to replant. Because you always get some seeds back, but you may get like one per plant when it costs you four seeds to plant one. You know, So you're only getting a quarter of what you need back. But if you use fertilizer, you'll get like, Six seeds each, which is way better, you know. You're actually increasing the amount you can plant. But to get the fertilizer, you have to break down other things to get the fertilizer, you know. So it's a, it's like, okay, where are my priorities at? What, what should I be doing? So it's one, some, there have been times, multiple times while I'm playing this, I go, okay, I have too much to do. What should I focus on? <laughs> and then I start doing it and I'm like, this wasn't the right idea. All right, let me reassess. I got some more points. Can I unlock any research? Can I make this easier on myself? Are there any buildings I need to build or uh, workstations, I should say, not buildings? Are there any workstations I need to build to make this easier on me? All right, let's, what do those take? You know, what materials? All right, I've got all the wood I need. I've got all the iron I need. I got the simple uh, iron tools, the complex iron tools or whatever they are. All right, I can build stuff. That part of it's good. I just need to know what to build. Um, 
So yeah, it's a constant, all right, well, I need to do this, but I need to do three other things to be able to do that. And, you know, it's a never ending cycle, um, never ending, but it obviously has an end. Um, but 29 hours in and I, I've seen people actually reference end game, which I think is odd for a game like this. Uh, I think I am using those terms. I am in mid to late game. Uh, I have quite a bit I can do. See, the difference is I have tons of stuff I could do. I have tons of research unlocked. I've unlocked a lot. I did some grinding just to be able to unlock research uh, for this reason or that. But I'm not using that research, you know, or I have other things I need to do first. I just unlocked it because I'm going to do it eventually. So research wise, I'd say I'm in late game. But if you actually look at my graveyard and my uh, little base thing, house, yard, whatever you want to call it, I'm probably mid. So, you know, I have plenty of stuff I can do um, still, but I'm enjoying it. Um, Yeah, that's what I was going to guess what I was going to get at and well, ask and then get at was that it's great that all this multitasking is going on, but I'm not hearing you say this with disdain. You know, I'm not hearing you say like, oh, it's just too much. It's, It's more like I it seems like you're enjoying the challenge of multitasking. Yeah, it's. It's a different type of game. You know, this game gets a lot of comparisons to Stardew Valley um, because of how it looks. Um, it very much looks like Stardew Valley. Some of the mechanics are even similar when you come to, like, stamina and whatnot. But when you're actually playing it, it's so different, you know, gameplay-wise. Aside from the obvious differences, you know, graveyard versus farming, uh, there are huge differences in how you play the game. Um, Stardew Valley is much more straightforward. You have a kind of set uh, list of objectives to accomplish. Um, whereas Graveyard Keeper, it's like, all right, you've got these 15 things you can do. Which one do you want to do? Okay, well, to do that, you have to do all these other things, you know. So it's a much more convoluted progression path, if you will. Um, there are times where it annoys me. I'm not going to say it's all rainbows and sunshine. Um, I have gotten annoyed where I'm like, oh, great, I just unlocked this, but I didn't know I needed to do all this other crap, so I guess I won't do it, you know? Um, but it's there's plenty of other stuff I can do, you know, if I don't want to do that, mm-hmm. go through the effort for that at the moment. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the farming, like I said, with the seeds and stuff. I get that as you do better with the... Uh, fertilizer you're going to get stuff back but the fertilizer is so expensive in its own right you know because you have to do other stuff to get it um i don't even remember what the ingredients are for it offhand but i think part of it uses body parts so you have to do bodies to get the body parts and to get body parts you have to sacrifice your uh, body's condition to get those so it's like okay well yeah i want to do this but my graveyard needs upgrading you know, that's a main part of the game is get your graveyard to looking this good. Um, especially when I'm like over halfway to my objectives, like have a quality of 200 on the graveyard. I passed 100. I think I'm at like 120 now, which is really good um, for me, at least in my eyes. So I'm like, all right, I don't want to sacrifice bodies sacrifice bodies because I'm making so much progression. You know, I've unlocked the research to make these... Uh, headstones and grave fences that 
give me like five or six each. You know, I can get so much stuff if my bodies are at high quality. Because I mentioned this before, the maximum quality on a grave is determined by the condition of the body. So my bodies right now are six to eight, you know, skulls, which are quality, six to eight maximum on them. So being able to do these, you know, six quality headstones, sure, I can only use a headstone. I don't need a, you know, grave fence, but I'm kind of wasting that opportunity there. If I take these parts out of a body I need and drop it down to, you know, negative four, that's negative four. That's, you know, I can cancel it out to zero in the grave, but I get no benefit from that. It's just taking up a spot. Um, I can burn them and they won't take a spot, but that's also the equivalent of adding zero to the graveyard. Either way, I'm not progressing in that side of it. You know, that's kind of what what I've looked at as my main objective is the graveyard right now. But I can't do that if I'm sacrificing bodies elsewhere. Um, I actually had to put a halt on it because I'm like, okay, I can't afford to keep grinding these carrots. I'm not going to keep paying for them, Um, which I could probably go back and reassess that now. I made a gold uh, at this point, which is a lot of money in the game Um, because you start out getting literally coppers uh, at a time, one or two. <laughs> but because I've progressed to where I have, my graveyard has the quality it has. I get like 10 plus silver every uh, Sunday when I do my little prayer thing, which is awesome. Nice. That's so much money. I'm up to over a gold mm-hmm. now, like I said, and a gold is 100 silver, not 10, like 10 coppers to a silver. It's 100 silver to a gold. Um so I have so much money now. Uh, so I could go afford, and I probably should now go get more carrots so I can do more bodies. Um, it also got to the point where I didn't care about the bodies because I was getting so overwhelmed by them. It was like, I felt like as soon as I got done with one, okay, here's another. Um, but if you stop paying the donkey, you kind of get this interlude where the bodies aren't just going to sit and rot in the cellar because I'm off mining or something. Um, mm-hmm. I actually took the time to go grind iron, which is, I say grind. It's not much of a grind. I spent like basically one or two game days and I had more iron than I knew what to do with. Um, same thing for stone. I needed it for grave, uh, grave markers and whatnot. So I just spent a game day. That one wasn't even two iron more than one because of how much it takes. But this, I was like, all right, I'll just go grind out, you know, basically a day's worth of stone. All right. I'm set on stone for a long time. Um, and I was also using that to grind out blue points, um, because building, uh, polishing stone for use in grave stuff, but just the act of polishing it gave me a blue point. So I was like, okay, I'll grind out 25 of those to unlock a new research. Oh, what I'm four short. Oh, let me go polish four stones. All right, good. Um, so it was nice not getting the body so I could go do all the other side stuff I wanted to do. Um, I do think I'm kind of at the point where I can have those bodies coming back in um, and not feel like I'm being stretched too thin because uh, bodies will decay if they're just sitting there without having anything done to them. Um, and that lowers the quality, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I'm up to 29 hours in the game now. Um, I'm having more fun than I was last week. Uh, but it's it's one of those games, if you're going in blind... Be prepared to maybe hit some annoying points because things are not in the order you expect them to be or you yeah. don't foresee happening. Um, 
Yeah. So the last game for me to talk about uh, is the one I just played some of uh, yesterday, and that's Stardew Valley. Um, nice. Because I've, I've almost 100% the game uh, on single player, but I played multiplayer yesterday. Uh, tried it out with the family. Uh, that was, it's, it's such a fun little game. Um, mm-hmm. It's so m- much less stressful than Graveyard Keeper was. So when I went from Graveyard Keeper to it, I'm like, wow, this is, this is nothing. Sure, you want me to go catch this particular fish? You got it. I'll go fish. Um, it's just so, it's night and day. There's so much, there's so many differences between the games um, when you've played them both. Even though they look visually the same, uh, or similar, I should say, not the same. Uh, mechanically, it's way different. Um, but yeah, so multiplayer is interesting. Um one of the neat features about multiplayer is when you create the multiplayer game, you actually choose what the income modifier is. So if you're playing with four people, you have, you know, four of them, four times the manpower. So you can actually make crops and stuff worth a quarter of their worth if you want to kind of make it even. Uh, we left ours at one per one. So we're making as much money as I would in a single player and, you know, two to three four of us we haven't played four players there are only three but if there were four of us playing then you know we'd make quite a bit of money uh, like fishing in the game with two people fishing that's so lucrative it's so much better than actually farming um, whereas farming in single player is pretty much the way to go you know once you get your farm up and going that's going to be your main income um, but the uh, multiplayer makes it to where you can kind of pick what you want to do easier. Um, you don't have to focus on crops for money. You can just go fish. Um, there are... Mechanically, the host of the game, which never changes. It's always the same person as the host. Um, the host determines a lot of stuff. Uh, the host is the only one that can do certain things. Um, like, there are events that happen and they'll be triggered by talking to a particular NPC, but only the host can do that as the leader of the game. Um, I can understand why it's just one of those things, you know, you have to get used to like, I'm not playing the host. My girlfriend is cause she started the game before me. Um, we hopped on just to test the multiplayer and see what we need to do to connect to each other's game. But then I left because I was playing something else. Um, and she progressed a little bit, uh, and then I hopped back in, um, and she had done a little bit, but then <laughs> she had actually done very little farming, and a game about farming, I know, but uh, <laughs> when I when I was about to hop in, I was like, all right, what, uh, what do I need to do? She's like, set up the farm. I was like, uh, okay, um, wow. sure, I guess, okay, um, <laughs> so I did that. Um, we, you know, earned some money from fishing and doing some quests and, you know, selling basically anything we could to get enough money for seeds. Uh, and I planted a farm once we got enough money, spent, you know, all of her money. Because money's shared, by the way, in the game. Um, yeah. There's no individual pools. Um, so <laughs> I spent all our money to set the farm up. Um, 
earned it back, you know, in game week later. And, you know, now we're making, we have income and renewable income, I should say. Um, and we're kind of, even we're still very early game. Um, when I said she had progressed very little, I mean, she progressed very little. She did more of the, uh, combat stuff and the mines and whatnot, uh, in comparison to farming or upgrading equipment and stuff. So we still have tons of upgrades. We're still almost exclusively on the first tier of tools. Um, I, when I load the game back up, I need to go collect my new watering can. Uh, it's now tier two. Woo. Cause I'm doing all the farming. So I need better watering can. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so the game, even though I played it so much before, um, not only has it been long enough where it's not really a big deal to go back to it, but doing multiplayer and just playing with someone else, it always, that always changes a game up, you know, um, having the other person there makes a game so much different. Uh, so it's, I'm having fun with it. Um, that's when I was talking about, I put four and a half hours into it yesterday. Um, and I'm sure we'll play some more, um, and I don't mind, you know, I, I kind of, I hadn't played it before because I wanted to get more into Graveyard Keeper. I want to get more into Destiny 2, um, but I'd been putting it off and I felt kind of bad. So I was like, all right, let's play some, you know, Stardew Valley together. Um, and I, I don't regret it. It's kind of nice to have that change from uh, the grinding and Graveyard Keeper and the convolutedness and the grinding of Destiny 2 and just being able to go mess around on Stardew Valley. Yeah. I think that's... I think that's about it for my week. I have a couple of things code-related I've got in my mind, but I haven't actually done any of it yet. Maybe I'll have something yeah. to talk about on that next week. Um, yeah. I think that's about it for my week. Well, mine's relatively short uh, i've only been playing one game uh, oh. this entire week and that's continuing my escapades in persona 4 okay uh i know chris hasn't played that game yet and of course i would I'd, I'd like to keep as much of this spoiler free for him and for the audience as well so there's not a lot of harsh details i want to get into also i have not been taking notes while playing this game i've just been playing it enjoying it um Let's see. Again, the biggest takeaway so far for me still is that the the feel of the game, while not exactly the same, I still have that Persona Four feeling. It Persona it's Five genuinely feeling. making yeah Persona Five feeling. <laughs> it's genuinely making me curious about. We you know I'm already thinking in my head when I finish this one how long it's going to take me before I get into Persona Three because I want to see how different that one is. Yeah. Uh, will I go all the way back to the original? Who knows, man? I've also looked into the Shin Megami, uh, Shin Megami Tensei part, the Digital Devil Saga part of the Shin Megami Tensei series. And, you know, I might check those out. I remember, I think I remember reading that, uh, there were some good ones in that one as well. But, uh, who knows how far my persona fingers are gonna, are gonna stick <laughs> out. I don't know just yet. Right now, I'm playing through this one and, yeah. So, uh, I, I did finally go to the Velvet Room, which, I mean, it's not it's necessarily a spoiler for this one, but for those who have played Persona 5, if you haven't, you need to go play that now. If you have not, um, 
I'm sorry, if you have not, go play it. Now, if you have, you remember the Velvet Room in Persona 5 was basically a prison. And this one, it seems like it's pretty much a limousine. <laughs> Every time you go to the Velvet Room, you're you're in a limousine that's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been, it, it rides around. But the idea of the Velvet Room is still the same from Persona 5 that I remember mm-hmm. anyway. You know, you're talking to Igor, you're trying to get your personas, uh, ma- you're managing your personas there. You're uh, managing the two or three Persona Fusion is is still there. The compendium is still there. It's still the idea of when you get a new persona, you can, or you've leveled up another persona that you already have, you can take it to the compendium and have it registered. That way you can pretty much pay to get that again if you need it, which is good for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there wasn't really much different about the Velvet Room that I that I could tell. Uh the the skills they come as you level which that was part of persona 5 the mixing and matching i think it's almost kind of works the same you know if you can take two persona you can mix them together and i don't know i haven't gone that far into it to see if there's like a way to determine if if you can see what I hear dante <laughs> over there telling me to start the party Damn right, Dante. Fuck yeah, you're topical. We're gonna talk about you today. Um, I I th- I think that there was something I remembered in Persona Five where you could basically see what uh, potential uh, skill you could get yeah. from a fusion. And this one, I think d- it it I'm gonna say it does not do that, but I could be wrong. Uh, most of my skills have been pretty easy to follow through. There's a couple changes in how they do like the, the, there's like a, you know, the chance that you will get a skill. Yeah. Uh, from a fusion, a fusion. There's also a chance that you can get a skill from, um, when does this happen? Let's see. I'm trying to remember exactly how this happens. I think if you, there are certain, so, okay. So you're in a battle, you finish the battle, you get your XP, you get your gold. And the main way that I can tell that you actually get other persona is you have a random chance at a, what's, I think it's called a draw or, or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a, sh- a shuffle, I think is what it's called. And it'll have on screen, uh, various amounts of cards. It'll be six, nine, four, twenty, something. And those cards will all be flipped over and they will show you what are on those cards. And they're going to be either a persona of some type. It's going to be a null, which is nothing, like you get nothing at all, or a penalty, which means that all the XP and gold you were going to get, you're not, you don't get. So, uh, you can tell it. You can tell the game, yes, I do or do not want to participate in this um, shuffle thing. Okay. If you tell it, yes, the cards all flip upside down and they begin to shuffle across the screen. And you click your X button to say stop. And whatever card you land on is the card you get. Again, being a persona, nothing at all, or a penalty. That is the, from what I can tell, from what I've experienced so far, that is the way that you acquire persona in this game. Now, that's different from Persona 5. Persona 5, you basically try to woo them or you try to talk to them or coerce them to join your side. This is almost random chance. I think this is what people were talking about as the frustration point where like, you know, random that I'll get a persona. Screw that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I haven't found too much of an issue for this simply because of the amount of battles I get into. And every third, if not every other battle, I get a shuffle. Uh, that's one positive point. The second, with, ext- with, with extremely rare chances, I've only seen this happen once or twice, there are times th- the cards move relatively slow. Uh, they, they shuffle around and they all shuffle in like the same pattern. So you'll have one card that's basically going in and out of your vision from upper right to lower left. It just goes around in a big, in a big ring. Mm-hmm. And it only, it's, it should only take you about 10 ish shuffle, uh, instances to tell about where you should press your button to land on that card. So if you're keeping a good visual line of sight on that card, and you've got the timing now when to press the button, you're going to get good enough to get the card you want almost every time. Uh, there are a couple rare exceptions where they just shuffle and they spin these fucking cards like crazy. So you, you, it's pretty, it's fairly impossible to keep up with where the cards are. I've only had that happen twice. And, and there were also like, uh, I don't know, like something like 15 different cards on there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was kind of, kind of fucked either way. Yeah. But I can see how that can be a drawback, uh, a draw to it, uh, a a push away from the game. But me, it hasn't been a big problem. It it, it felt kind of like, wow, this is different. Again, it is different for Persona 5, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. Yeah. There's, also a chance that after you get whatever card it is that will be another card situation this will be one specific card and they will show you the card it's like an arcana chance or something like that that card every single card in the in the arcana line has a certain type of benefit or de- or detriment it's they like every arcana affects something you know this arcana will affect the luck of the level this arcana will affect uh how powerful enemies of the level this arcana will affect you getting uh your sp uh this arcana will affect your ap so on and so forth and again it will tell you hey you've got this arcana now you do do what i do and just cheat just look up a fucking guide to tell you what card it is because <laughs> it doesn't tell you it'll just tell you that it's this arcana and it's going to take you a lot of arcana cards to t- and physically taking notes for you to remember okay that's the blank arcana that's going to affect my blank you know i just look up a guide fuck it i don't care so it'll pop that card up and it will say hey it's got this death card we're gonna flip this card around in a circle and it's gonna either land face it's gonna either land straight up or straight down if it's straight up you're gonna get the benefit of whatever that manipulates if it lands upside down you're gonna get the detriment so, for example, the 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 death card. I, I'm gonna. I, I think I've got this right. I could have the details wrong, but the death card. If it lands right side up, uh, you get all of your SP recovered, which is great, Chris. You know that you yeah. always want to get SP in a level. Of course. Uh, the the downside to that card is you lose all your HP down to one. Now, 
to me, that doesn't mean a damn bit of anything because I'll just use items to get all my hit points back and I've got all my SP back. Yay. Yeah. Uh, if the R, if that card flips upside down, the opposite, you, you keep all your HP, but, or you max out your HP, but you lose all but one SP. So those are random. I think that there are certain arcanas that can affect abilities. I've had this happen several times that it, they will make a persona, uh, either uh, gain by changing or just flat out losing and getting a weaker version of a skill. So like you'll have some arcana that affects fire. And it'll say, hey, if you get the positive, we're going to take this weaker arcana, uh, uh, this weaker fire spell uh, skill and turn it into the stronger fire skill. This is very meta. This is not something you're always, you're really got to worry with. Because again, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you don't want either of those cards, if you don't want to do the shuffle thing, you don't have to take it. You can tell it no and it'll say, okay, cool. Not worried about it. Uh, a good example of that is if you already have all the persona that are on the screen. You know, yeah. If it's showing two persona that you already have, there's no point. There's no benefit mm-hmm. to HP and SP or experience or gold. So fuck it. I don't, I don't want to deal with it. And then if the second card situation pops up again, you can tell it, nope, I don't want to deal with any of that. Uh, a couple ones that have come to mind, the HP and SP is one. Uh, there's been one where, uh, your chance for you, you having a preemptive attack on enemies increases greatly. And the inverse is the uh, opposite, where the enemies yeah. will usually have a preemptive. There's one for uh, powerful enemies. Uh, I can't remember. Well, yeah, actually, yes, I do. If you remember, Chris, in Persona 5, that you would have enemies on the screen. But if you saw, like, a bigger, like, brightly colored, like, lit up enemy, mm-hmm. usually that was a more powerful level yeah. version of that enemy. Same thing here. So you have these little physical representations of the enemies on the screen, but if you see one that's glowing, like almost multicolored, that's a powerful bad boy. So you'll have a card that you'll flip over and it'll be like, yeah, we've removed all the most powerful enemies from the level or we've increased the amount of powerful levels. Me, I like when I get increased because that's more <laughs> battles, more yeah. XP, that's a potential for better cards, etc., etc. So Yeah, I can see that. That's a brief Yeah. That's a brief rundown of how the the uh, the personas and the the whole random shit works in this one. Again, it is different. It is different Persona Five, but it's not such a grand departure that I'm like I don't understand this Persona system. Especially once you do get the Persona and then you go to the Velvet Room. I mean, it's you're right back at home. Once you get a persona from a card, uh, again, so many of the same rules. Once you get the persona, you have the persona in your deck and you can use that persona. Yeah. Uh, if you are only allowed eight persona and you have eight and you get the card persona you want, it'll say, Hey, you've got too many. You got to let one go and you just tell one to go. Uh, typically I'll do that if I have the same, uh, arcana, but it's this one is a higher class or a higher level. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I have, yeah, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think of what else, what else, what else? Uh, the, the story is still, I mean, it's still a big murder mystery for me. So I'm digging that. Uh, it's, it's, it's going places. You still have characters that come into the story and, and, you know, you have to help them through their troubles or figure out where they fit in the grand scheme of things have had a variety of enemies i've definitely had so 
I can definitely see how people who would look at this game from the outside, and the same kind of goes for Persona 5. Uh, I mean, damn, if you look at uh, Kamoshida's boss battle alone, you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> Why is that guy yeah. in fucking underwear and a fucking and a yeah. king's coat? Like, what's going on? Yeah, you're going to get some of that in Persona 4 as well. But again, all of it fits into the context. This is, a, this is something I thought about in Persona 5. I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but... Taking a complete left turn here, folks. Bear with me. St- stick in the car with me. Uh, something that Silent Hill is known for, a big a big trope of Silent Hill, is that Silent Hill is fictional, and it only manifests when there's like a, a, a real deep personal struggle with a person. That person then goes to Silent Hill and faces all these manifestations of their, basically their inner demons in one way, shape, or form. And... Silent Hill is built around their problems and their issues, etc., etc. That is basically what Persona is in in just an RPG form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recall this from Persona Five a lot. I mean, they were dealing with their own. You had their persona, you had them in real life, but there was another side to them or something else that had to be worked out with them in the Persona world. Yeah, same thing in Persona Four, man. Same thing. You run across people and they are having these personal struggles, and they have manifestations of different things about them, and you're trying to help them. You're trying to make you're trying to make their life better. So that big overarching uh, theme carries backwards into Persona 4 for me. All right. Um, Weapon system works the same. You know, you you can find different parts and materials throughout the world, and you bring them back to a shopkeeper. You sell them, and he goes, hey, I can make better armor and weapons now. Cool. You see? You can find things and sell them to them to make to make money. Items work the same way. Like any other RPG, you buy items and you use them. Uh, she will increase her item uh, type over time, so you'll get better and better items to heal with and cure illnesses with, etc., etc. Uh, the social link system still there, folks. It's it's the same thing basically that I remember from Persona Five. You know, you have different social links with all your with uh, a variety of characters, of course, mainly being your party members, and then that you increasing the social link, which is basically how how closer you are, how many more quests, how many quests you do with that person, as there as your social link with that as your friendship basically increases with them it increases the experience you get for your persona and also means that you, whenever you make that persona they get xp boost it's just it's it's, it's more beneficial yeah all these characters have their storylines that you go through quest by quest there's there's a lot there's all that still there a lot a lot of meaty uh, storylines and, and in-depth one-on-one character interaction and storytelling. So, trying to think of anything else that sticks out. There's just it, it's it's good. It's it's keeping me through so far. Do, is it? It does not. Of course, we're again we're talking about two generations old and the fact that I was completely just left hand hooked from Persona <laughs> Five. Uh, this game, a lot of the surprises aren't there. Again, you're gonna feel a lot of beat for beat stuff when you the first couple hours. You're gonna be like, "Yep, yep, mm-hmm. this is how it goes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yep, this is gonna happen. That's gonna happen." But it's the comfort of it that that appeals to me the most. You know, I'm I'm 
it's not so jarring like persona 5 was not such a it was an improvement rather than a jarring change sure so so i'm i'm falling right back into persona 4 easy peasy Another interesting take about this game is that uh, I f- I feel I've only really noticed this on the mission that I'm on right now. I think I'm f- either three or four. Uh, I want to say we'll say dungeons, when I, palaces, basically for you know people that play Persona Five. It's basically mm-hmm. the dungeon type things that you're going through. I'm in the third or the fourth right now, and it's it's it has this kind of unique thing where you have to basically go around the areas, the town, the school, uh, the riverside, all that, and you have to find clues to bring them back to the person in the Persona-style world in order to progress, to actually unlock the level. I think that was kind of done in Persona 5, so I don't know if that's actually new, but that's 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 pretty cool for me. That is very that's very very I have I'm having strong RPG centric vibes from that, you know. Hey, you should go talk to everybody. You know, that's basically what it is. Yeah. And I like that, you know. Uh it's it's nice to be guided in some games, you know, but it's also nice to just every now and again go back to that. It, it it's not to the level to where it's annoying. You know, sure. there is an annoying level where you're like, are you fucking kidding me? I literally had to talk to everybody. I went four towns away and talked to this random NPC. It's it's not to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the areas that I can visit right now, there's only a handful. And I mean, if I was putting a random number on the total NPCs I can even talk to, it's it may be like 50. So. Sure. If I go through one area and can't figure out, you know, nobody, they, they, they will slowly, the more people you talk to, you will slowly be guided to where you think you should be going next anyway. It's not, you know, it's helpful. It makes it, it plays into the detective aspect of this, which is mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. You know, they're, they're trying to play, you know, detectives outside of the police department. So, uh, I'm about, I, I feel, I feel like maybe I'm blowing through this because I'm 33 hours into it. And again, I'm on the third or fourth palace, so to speak, already. But I am not rushing my content. So I I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm just so used to how everything works. I've only really ground out a couple times. Uh, the grinding f- kind of works the same way as Persona 5. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna open up a palace, essentially. And then you're going to go in and you're, you're usually going to run out of SP. That's going to be your first blockade, mm-hmm. but you're going to be able to progress, you know, level by level by level by level. And you're either going to make it to the boss area and go, nope, I am not equipped. I've got to leave and rest. Or you're going to get two, three, four levels in and run out of SP and leave. Uh, and the same way that I did in Persona 5, I'm doing it here. You know, you can go, you can just hang out in those last couple levels and grind and grind and grind because the more powerful enemies are there and then you're good to go. You leave, you, you rest and you come back in. There is a way to predict just like in, uh, I think in Persona 5, it was, they usually had like storyline deadlines. They all, they, I don't think they were always the same thing. And this, in Persona 5, it's, it's usually the same type of deadline. Uh, the deadline is tied somehow narratively into the time, into the time frame. Uh, they use, uh, fog as a, as a, like, as a, as a stop. 
you know, hey, you have to you ha- you need to rescue this person from the persona world by the time that we have like two straight days of fog. Well, you can look on the weather system and see like, you know, <laughs> we're going to have so many days of rain and yeah, you've got plenty of time. You'll get a mental gauge of how many days you have in game to get the shit done. So again, it's there. It's a little in Persona 5 it was easier because you could pull up a calendar and then yeah. click on the day and go, "Yep, this is the deadline. This is when this person is going to do this thing and you've got to get it done before then." This game, a little bit you got to take it back a few steps. You can only look at the weather at a, a 7 days at a time. Uh, and they will tell you that you're going to have like so many days of rain in a row. And then after that is when the fog will come in. You just kind of have to think about it. It's all it is. Yeah. I haven't pushed anything to the wire yet. I've done a really good job of going into even the couple times I ground out levels. You know, I've done a really good job just like P5 of going in, grinding out a couple days and then, you know, spending about four or five, six days, whatever, doing social links. Yeah. Uh, I feel, and again, this is, I'm still early in the game, but one thing, this is kind of touching base on what you said earlier about feeling overwhelmed. The more you progressed in Persona 5, the more overwhelmed that you got. There was a fucking magnitude of shit to do in the day mm-hmm. where it seemed like every part of the day, you were cursed with the amount of choices, the, the things to do. You know, do I want to go to the diner? Do I want to go eat a burger? Do I want to go read? Do I want to go study? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Okay, morning is done. Time for the afternoon now. Oh, shit, what do I want to do? Do I want to go hang out with this person? Do I want to go do this arcade thing? Do I want to go to the diner? Do I you still have that in Persona 5. And again, I'm only saying this because it's early, but thankfully, I don't have that many choices. Um... I guess also because I've already gone through the rigmarole of P5, I'm really good now at at, at scheduling what I want to do and when I want to do it. And I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm losing out. You know, I felt that I got better at that with Persona 5, like about mm-hmm. halfway through the game. I got really good at managing time. And that's when I really started to, to get good at grinding out my social links mm-hmm. and grinding out my personal stats. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and this one, I have like there of the three things that I I can do three things in the morning as opposed to fifteen, you know. So I've got a really good idea of what I want to do and how I want to do it. That's I think that's helping me with my time management. Yeah. Uh, any questions about P four, Chris? Anything you're interested in to know about? I I don't think so. Um, I've already heard enough that I want to go play it. Um, so I'm, <laughs> there's not much more to ask. You know, at that point, it's just like, all right, well, I'm just going to go play it. Uh, yeah. It sounds like more of, you know, the fun of P5. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> what else do you need to know? You like P5? Right, right. Go play P4? Okay. Sold. Yep. Yep. And, and again, also, just... The graphics are not going to be the same, of course. Sure. But it doesn't matter. They fit. They fit. Everything is stylized in its own way. It's all in the same in the same game. 
and it still has catchy music. Like I've been, I've caught myself at work humming the music, and I, hey, that was all I was doing with P five. I had so many music tracks stuck in my head, and this one's doing the same thing. Designed very very well, mm-hmm. and yeah, again, man, this makes me very curious about the whole entire Shin Megami Tensei series. Period. Like if all the games are like this. Uh, man, this is a series that I, I, Jesus, I can't believe I slept on for so long. <laughs> yeah. To the point, to the point of it, I, I can't believe I've forgotten this on P5, but I think in P5, there was, when you were on the, basically the overworld map, there was a little icon that you moved around. When you moved around to different sections, that icon moved. That is also back in P4. And the way that that little icon looks, I remember that from the like hour that I played Persona 1 on the PlayStation. <laughs> I was like, damn, did that carry over that far? I wonder how much else has carried over this far, you know? Yeah. It may be old as shit, I'll give you that, but damn, if all the Persona games are like this, shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're basically telling me I've got to step back on the graphics and music, that's okay, but you're basically telling me I'm getting more of this Persona story style. So, we'll we'll, we'll see how far I go. Yeah, I mean, and I said, okay, you know, I want to go play P4. Well, in reality, I'm probably going to go play P1 first. (laughs) Because I have it sitting about 20 feet away from me. All I got to do is, you know, drop it either into my PC and load up on emulator or, you know, bust out the old PlayStation. But I can play it easily. Um, And I'm really feeling like I should. (laughs) The only reason I haven't is just because the other game's out to play right now. That's probably the only reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm still playing through it. I'm still gonna play through it until they I either get bored or I beat it. And I don't see myself getting bored just yet. I really the the last time that I felt really good was the dungeon before this one because I was at an adequate level and I was like here we go. I'm going to go in this dungeon. I get to see new enemies. I get new persona. I get uh, I get to progress. I get to see how many levels I can go up before. And I was like, hey, I, I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm in this. I'm all the way in this. This is great. If Persona 5 is a 10, Persona 4 is like a, a fucking 8.5 or a 9. I mean, if, you, if you're taking into the context of the game it is, the time frame it came sure. out... You know, and just getting the general feel of the game. Again, this is not, you know, they didn't change the system from what I can tell going backwards. So looking forwards, it seems like, you know, if you play P4, when you went to P5, it, it blew your mind just because the improvements, <laughs> not, not the game changed to a first person shooter, you know, just yeah. upgraded graphics, more stylized, just adding more of that fucking persona flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, there was, uh, I, I guess I could just, just cause it's, you know, fuck it. Why not talk about it? I, I got into a little binge for the last few days about going through YouTube and looking up live concerts of music bands from my age group. <laughs> uh, so I'm 36. Back when I was in high school, this was like the early, the late 90s, early 2000s. That was a that was like a core music time frame for my life. So, like the Family Values tour, that's a that's a prime example. All those bands like Corn, Limp Biscuit, Rammstein, Orgy, Rage Against the Machine, Slipknot, Incubus. 
and a bunch of other ones I've just forgotten about. Like I, I got Metallica and Prime and the the most important band of my life. Jesus, uh, I was just looking at all these live concerts. Now, I want people to understand. This is not me like living vicariously through YouTube as far as concerts go. Okay. When I watch two best friends do a let's play of Detroit, for example, I'm living vicariously through them because I don't want to buy the game and I like their commentary. This is more like, Oh man, I never got to go to that family values concert. Oh, that's pretty cool. Man, I love this. I love that band. That was fucking awesome. I bet that was fun. I went to concerts back in my time, but, uh, it was just a it was just a fun little trip down nostalgia lane for me, just seeing all these old bands. And yeah. I, a, a good example uh, to this day, I unironically love Limp Bizkit. I just want to put that out there, okay? I know <laughs> that they got, I know that their popularity meter tanked for some reason, but I saw like five or six different like live concerts that they were at with hundreds of thousands of people in that crowd and i'm like man and people said they fucking hate this band but damn like <laughs> it's crazy i i, I think of them I, when i think of them now i think of nickelback of like it seemed like people love they loved this band for a while and mm-hmm. then suddenly it, be, it became cool to bash on them i don't know why. Yeah, i don't know i mean again it's just that that's that's a band that was in my prime music time in high school like and i'm sorry you can hate the 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 rock rap all you want to i get it i guess i get it but when you saw lip biscuit in person and i mean at a minimum you saw fucking west borland get on stage and you're like boy i wonder what awesome fucking makeup or outfit he's got this time and he looks fucking wicked as hell with the contacts in the black body paint and he's fucking thrash kicking everywhere with his bass guitar oh man shit like that that's that's awesome Spread that across anything. Same thing with Slipknot, seeing them on stage, seeing Seven Dust on stage. Like, I, it was good stuff. It is some really good nostalgic times to watch those people. Uh, how, Chris, I think you said you saw Mindless Self Indulgence, like what, like 67 times in your life? Live um, in concert? <laughs> live in concert. I've seen them three times. Uh, yeah. two of which were, well, one, uh, one of which was actually, like three states away I drove to wow. to visit a friend but also to see mindless <laughs> self-indulgence um yeah uh, they, were, they actually had two nights they were playing there but I only went to one of them but yeah mm. I, I love MSI um I think I've seen them in New Orleans twice and I saw them in Oklahoma once uh yeah yeah it's 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 such a you introduced me to MSI and yeah it's still my favorite band to this day uh, mm-hmm. their style is just so out there. Uh, their songs are so out there. Uh, but it's still good music, you know, uh, even with their newer stuff, which doesn't sound anything like the older stuff, but it's still yeah. that MSI style. Um, yeah. and then seeing that when live, you, when you grow with a band, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing them live is ever, totally different. Did I ever tell you how I got introduced to them? Uh, I don't think so. So back in high school, this is probably my, so probably 98, somewhere 98, 99. Uh, I was in a, uh, I forget what those were called. I was in a, I was in a masonry class. 
uh, remember you had all the different classes you would have. You could take masonry or carpentry or uh, electives like that. I was in a masonry class, and one of my friends was. Uh, I made a friend in there. And in that year, he, he, he got to be more outgoing than I ever could be. And he was going to a concert. I think he was a senior when I was a junior. Um, and he said he was going to New Orleans to, I want to say he went to the Family Values concert in New Orleans or he went to just a corn concert in New Orleans. Uh, he was the guy who introduced me to corn. He burned, not burn, actually, no, he recorded from CD to a cassette tape. <laughs> he recorded uh life is peachy for me and then was nice enough later to, to go back and do the first album and the third and he always he, he always gave me all my corn music well he was going to a corn concert and corn was kind of a turning point in music for me like my mainstay was metallica mm-hmm. uh anything and everything metallica and anything that they played on our local radio station down here that was kind of around there when I started listening to Corn, like I was like, "Wow, there's some new shit out there, man!" And I get, I got introduced to like Corn, and again, all those bands, Limp Bizkit, Rage, Orgy, all, I got just introduced to all these at the same time, popular or not. That's just how they came to me. Well, he was going to New Orleans for this Corn concert, and I couldn't go. And he was like, "Man, do you want to pick you up anything?" And I didn't have a lot of money. I gave him like fifteen bucks, and I was like, "If you can get me something, that's fine." Well, he ended up being a cool fucking dude and spent like forty bucks uh, extra and got me a Corn T-shirt, which was very fucking cool of him. I don't have mm-hmm. that. I should. I, I I just lost that. That's been gone for years now. But he also got a uh free cd he got two free cds uh because the opening band for corn that year was mindless self-indulgence wow i had never heard of this band before ever he had never heard this band before ever but he got to watch them play like four or five songs because they were opening for corn mm-hmm. and they were handing out they had like stacks of cds just filled to the roof full and they were just handing them out like crazy here you go here you go and it had (coughs) excuse me again it had five-year-old panty shot Mm -hmm. and i forget the other one it had two songs on this on this disc and that was it and i was like dude this fucking this band he's like right it's good shit and i got uh, zombies are strangely sexy sometime that year, and then Frankenstein yeah. girls will seem strangely yes, sexy. yes, yes. Yeah. That's the one. So yeah, that's my that's my little history for that one. God, that was back um, in the day. So you've got stuff from the uh, tight. Yes, yes, and it was only two songs. It yeah. was Panty Shot and another one. I just forget what the other one was. Oh, 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 oh. Uh oh man, the main the the fucking uh Ice Cube song. Oh come on, man! They uh, bring uh, the pain. I bring came the pain? to bring the pain. Yeah, yes. bring the pain. Yes, bring the pain and five year old penny shot. That was my introduction yeah. to mindless self indulgence. Now, mind you, this was all outside of knowing all the weirdness of the band. Like uh-huh. knowing the lead singer went by urine. I was yeah. like, I, what? Jimmy I found that out years later, and I was like, I. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the music's still good, man. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's a little trip down music lane, man. We could definitely have a music podcast someday. <laughs> I promise you. I could. I got some music, man. I was in my own house, like blaring Incubus and singing at the same time. I love. I love Incubus. And again, all of this music was. 
it, it seemed like in the mid to late 2000s, I just kind of sort of started to fall into music. Like I would acquire it from, man, all kind of random places, like hearing it from commercials or being in somebody's car and hearing it or it being on a game soundtrack or being surfing the web on like an image board and they, they play like a web M with music and I would find those. Mm-hmm. But back in high school, excuse me, high school, it was predominantly like, you know, friends get, letting me borrow discs or cassette tapes or or mainly hearing it on the radio. So that's why a lot of core music from my time, while, yeah, it's mainstay music, you know, it's, it is corn, yes, it is Rage Gets Machine, etc. It's mainly because that's the music that was played on this one station <laughs> down here on mm-hmm. the coast that, you know, kind of played that stuff. It was either that or country or oldies or... Yeah. You know, my options are very limited. Uh, and I, man, I stopped listening to radio, Jesus, years ago. I used to be pretty good about checking the radio out every now and again. Like, I, I'd wait for like five or six months and then go through a month-long stint of listening to the radio. That's why I would pick new music. But, man, I my music just went fucking wild. Like, I didn't even need the radio anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I know when a new Breaking Benjamin album comes out, I want that music. Uh, so I don't really listen to the radio that much. Anyway, tangent, tangent off, music tangent <laughs> off. It was just, it was, it was just really cool to go back down that lane and hear all that music and see it live. And yeah, man, it's good times, good times. I've done that with a couple of MSI concerts, looked at their uh, videos live because I'll be uh, looking for a particular song and there will be a live version. It's like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris, you mentioned that there was something, uh, some things you forgot about, uh, Gravekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last time I had mentioned that the, one of the frustrating things about the iron was that it was real time it took for it to, you know, craft, um, there and sleeping didn't really help. They, it helped more than I realized, but one thing that I really wanted to mention about the game is that they've been patching it pretty much daily. Um, wow. It's been nonstop updates. Uh, I don't think there's been two in one day yet, but pretty much every day I'm like, all right, do I need to download an update before I start playing? Um, and so when I stop playing, it's like, oh, hey, there is an update. And I was like, okay, well, thanks for telling me now. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, good timing. But one of the changes they made was they made the days longer. Um, yeah. So days like, nine uh, minutes long now or something like that. I think they tweaked it a little bit more after that, so I don't know the, the exact time anymore. Uh, but I felt like that, when they did that, they also, uh, that had a big enough impact on the sleeping time passing that now the iron and stuff isn't as big of a deal. Uh, I can basically go expend my energy twice, you know, sleep in between, and then all the stuff I have crafting in the forge, whether it's iron or glass or something else that's going to be ready um so i don't feel like i'm sitting there as long uh waiting on iron and stuff um i don't know if they tweaked that separately from the day or just the way the day length changed the math behind it made it better uh because the way it works is you know three minutes on a forge is you know a third of a day now um Mm -hmm. And you need X amount of time to sleep to 
get your energy back. So if you're sleeping for, say, eight hours, um, which would be essentially three minutes in the game, so you're sleeping and you're guaranteeing that at least one thing is going to be done if it takes three minutes, which a lot of things don't, uh, especially once you start upgrading stuff. So that aspect, it's gotten a lot better. It was probably a little better than I made it out to be last time, um, but they are constantly patching the game. Uh, so it's some of the issues early on, um, cause I, I haven't experienced any bugs, but others have, uh, those are rapidly being patched. Um, so good on them. All right. So I'm guessing that's it. I wanted to make sure yep. you had a, just a bit time. I didn't want to, <laughs> I know me, I'm the same way. I, I, I love, well, actually myself, <laughs> that way I remember in time. So, uh, we will roll into today's topic, which is da, 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 Gamescom. Uh, I gotta tell you, Chris, gotta tell you, this definitely hit me out of nowhere. I am, or, well, apparently, I'm gonna say half am and half was, uh, fairly ignorant when it comes to Gamescom. This is not something that I follow. Typically, E3 is about the main thing Mm -hmm. I follow anyway. Uh, so, I didn't know anything about this. I had seen, uh, some YouTube personalities come across showing some reaction videos and talking about it. I was like, oh, Gamescom, okay. Uh, this lasted for, or lasting, sorry, apparently it's still going on. I think it goes to the 25th? Yeah. 21st or the 25th. Uh, so I'm going to leave a bulk of this up to you. Uh, tell, tell me in the audience, what is Gamescom? So, like you, I normally gloss over Gamescom. Um, probably the only reason we're talking about this tonight is because Xbox actually did a streamed Almost, not conference, but uh, what it officially was is apparently every month there is a Xbox Live Now or, you know, some little show they do every month. And they were doing it live from Gamescom this year. Um, yeah. If they hadn't done that, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> we might talk right. about a little bit of news next week, but they showed stuff and that really got my interest in it. Um, yeah. So Gamescom is... Similar to E3, it's a slightly, I say slightly, it, it's a smaller event, but it takes place over in uh, Germany. I don't know if it's always in Germany, but it's at least in Germany this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's, I don't know, I, I don't know enough about Gamescom and its history. I don't know per se, why it's a thing, so to speak, if that makes sense, without, you know, really sounding like an asshole. Um, yeah, because yeah, we have E3. That's a big one. Um, right. And typically when we have other shows, like there's one coming up, it's in uh, Tokyo. Uh, it's more of a E3 type thing where it's electronics or what E3 used to be. I don't know if E3 still is really. It's mostly games, if not really all games. Uh, but the Tokyo... God, I need to look up the proper name. I feel like an idiot and a jerk. Um, but the Tokyo one is more electronics wide. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Gamescom is games. Um, they did talk about some hardware, but generally it's just another game expo. Um, again, that's for the European audience. Maybe that's m- one of the main reasons they do is to get into that, you know, European audience that can't fly to America or, you know, wants more than to watch the stream and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, but it 
a lot of times and why I haven't really paid attention to Gamescom in the past is because it just seems to be a rehash of E3 news. Um, yeah. You know, going through and showing videos from E3 and it's like, okay, yeah, this game is still coming out. Nothing's changed in the last four months, five months, yeah. however long it's been. I think it's been yeah. five months now. Um, mm-hmm. But... This year, I feel like there's a little bit more news than normal um, coming out of there. I don't know that there's been very many game announcements like you get at E3. It's more details on existing news, so to speak. Um, yeah. Like Battlefield Five, We know Battlefield Five is coming. That's nothing new. Um, but they announced, well, the open beta is starting on September 4th or 6th, depending on pre-order or you know game pass membership or whatever it is um that's you know a minor announcement really for them but uh and gamescom did seem to focus a lot on dlc um for games that are already out and then new trailers and whatnot for games that are going to be coming out fairly soon um Mm -hmm. i think one of the good things about gamescom is it doesn't seem to have the same uh, uh, what's the word to use? Wait time on the games they show. Uh, typically it seems like games that go to game that are shown at Gamescom are those that are slated to come out fairly soon. Um, mm, okay. I think the longest one out is Shenmue Three that they announced mm-hmm. uh, as a release date. Um, which that was there, and that was the Gamescom announcement is they announced the release date. Um, yeah. So we now know Shenmue Three is coming August twenty seventh of twenty nineteen. So yeah. almost exactly a year, um, which isn't terribly long in the gaming world. Uh, no. <laughs> but I think that's one of the longest ones uh, on the list that they talked about that we have to wait for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No remake, you know, no <laughs> nothing like that that's like, will it ever come out? It seems like more right. solid stuff that they actually, you know, didn't want to waste their time and money going to talk about something that may never come out. They want to get people hyped right. for things that are about to come out. Um. Yeah, something I noticed about... Um, so I, I did, I watched the Xbox, uh, I, want, I, I guess, conference, for lack of a better word. Sure. And uh, I, hate to, I hate to just start off with the negatives, but a couple negative things that I noticed about this thing. One... I I didn't really care for the main announcer guy. I didn't care for the main uh, corral. He definitely seemed like John Q. Business to me. He seemed like a guy that was uh, tasked. He seemed like a non-gamer guy who was tasked with making uh, documentaries and montages of these things. And yeah, he did a damn good job. But I don't know. I I, I just didn't. You know, it's it's. It's different than seeing him and then seeing all the people on stage from E3. Again, it's not E3. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a big thing that I really didn't like, and I, I, I'm guessing it's just the way that they edited this, this this thing, was very quick fucking shoots from, hey, let's talk about this game. Here it is. Five seconds of something. Bam, cut away. So, Tomb Raider is coming out. And let's talk about this whole different game. I saw that a few times where it was like, oh, that... That's all we got. That, that that was all I could yeah. see. What was that? <laughs> it almost seemed like they were bad edits, you know. Um, again, don't know if it's intentional. Don't know if that was just let's try to tease as much as we can. But eh, I didn't care for it. 
Sure. Uh, I did see some, again, while they were nice documentaries, while they were cool documentaries, I don't know if I needed to see that many at something where I'm looking for news and screenshots and, you know, release dates, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I forget what game it was. I want to say it was Dead by Daylight. Oh, and I mean, for full disclosure, I didn't watch the Xbox thing by itself. I was watching it uh, basically with the Easy Allies. So I got to see their reaction, but also I was watching it, you know, as they were watching it. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it was dead. It was, it might have been Dead by Daylight. Um, I can't remember the name of the game, but like they were talking over the game, but they were showing just still images. Like they would show a character model and just pan the camera around it. And it's like, what do you do? Just show the game? Show the game. Like, what are you doing? It was just weird little off-putting choices about a lot of this thing. It felt very, the whole thing felt very manufactured, even more than E3. Sure. Uh, for my first foray into a Gamescom, this really didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. I think Devil May Cry 5 was about the best thing that I took away from it. I saw little hints of Kingdom Hearts, but that wasn't Kingdom Hearts. That was uh, the Disney... Disney Island or Disney? Yeah, there's a bunch mm. of uh, games. I think they're talking about going to Game Pass. Is that what that was on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, of all the games, like I don't remember seeing anything about. Uh, I'm seeing now per the IGN site. I'm seeing uh, stuff for like Cyberpunk 2077, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2. Like I'm seeing some things on here that I'd be interested in, but I mean they were they were talking about Fallout, they were talking about PUBG, uh, I think Dead by Daylight, uh, just Battlefield Five stuff. It just didn't wasn't really stuff that I was very interested in. So from what I saw. The uh, just from that video alone, the this Gamescom was very like ho hum for me. Yeah, I think one of the uh, big things is that they don't actually stream a lot of stuff. Xbox is kind of a uh, not exclusive, but one of the only ones that actually stream their stuff. Uh, yeah, Blizzard did one today where they streamed their stuff. Uh, so Destiny Two was included. They did some Overwatch uh, stuff. So yeah. here's a storm, and then Wow. Uh, but that's unusual for Gamescom. That typically yeah. doesn't happen. Um, so seeing like on the IGN page that we were looking at, that's all the stuff that they went and saw, you know, in person. Yeah. Uh, and that's really the way Gamescom is, is experienced, I think. Yeah, because yeah, I was looking at it. There was confusion between you and me in particular when it was like, hey, man, you want to talk about Gamescom? And I was like, well, because as I was looking at the videos that were being posted, I saw like, you know, there was an induction thing and they went through that. And I saw the Xbox. I was like, oh, is this is this basically E3 again? Like, are we going to have an Xbox conference and a Sony conference and a blah, blah, blah? And now that I'm looking at, you know, Gamescom itself, it seems like yes and no. There's like a hybrid. There's a mix. Mm-hmm. I feel like the main takeaway from Gamescom is the people that go to Gamescom and get that at that E3 aspect of it. You know, they get to have all these tech demos and all these gameplay demos. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, concept art slash uh, gameplay footage, yada, yada, yada. I'm seeing a lot more of that than I'm seeing, you know, the Sony conference or the, the Square Enix conference, you know. 
So seems like a a, a hybrid version of E3. Yeah. A little, little little less little less video, a little more hands on, I guess. Yeah. So you want to uh, run down? Yeah, a little bit Let's of a list. list. Um, uh, for those who are looking for reference, I'm, I'm sure me and you were looking at the same thing, Chris. The uh, IGN article, uh, 2018 Gamescom. Yeah, yeah, we can reference that one. Um, I also okay. have my yeah. spreadsheet list I was putting together as I found oh. stuff. Well, yeah, duh. Um, yeah, you know the work I put into the spreadsheet for us and doesn't get looked at, but by one of us, um, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll go off the IGN article. It's fine. You know, too much salt, Chris. <laughs> um, it's it, it it probably has the same stuff, man. We can get on your list. Yeah. It's totally fine. Uh, I, I'm going to go mainly through my list because I've kind of skimmed through the IGN one and kind of picked out here and there things to talk about. Yeah. Um, but the Xbox thing was really the first thing I watched, and that's kind of the biggest thing. It's where a lot of the stuff, content that I found came from anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So they showed that... Hunt Showdown um, is going to get a Xbox One game preview release. Now, Hunt Showdown's a game that I've seen played a little bit, but I have almost no interest in it at all, um, even almost to watch. Uh, it's not a... Uh, what? How do I put it? I don't know. I think it's still in early access. Um, I actually marked it as not interested on Steam. It's grayed out. It is an early access. Uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, you're, it's PVE and PVE together. Um, mm-hmm. You're hunting these monsters, but other players, you know, can kill you and stuff. So it mixes a little bit of that. Um, it's got generally positive reviews. I just think it's too early. Um, but having an Xbox One... Okay, maybe, you know, that'll increase their audience. And it is part of the Xbox One game preview, which going back to our earlier discussion about early access, you know, that's the console version. That's the Xbox version of early access is the game preview. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next item on the list was PUBG. It's on the game preview and it actually gets its Xbox 1.0 release um, mm-hmm. September 4th. I thought that it went to 1.0 when PC did, but I guess not. Um, apparently they had more issues porting it over and stuff. There were more bugs than they expected. So it mm-hmm. seems like it was staggered. Um, Battlefield 5. I already mentioned they uh, announced their open beta launch September 4th or 6th, mm-hmm. uh, depending on if you have. I should actually probably look that up. It's uh, if you pre ordered or if you have yeah. Origin Access Premiere. You get yeah. on September 4th. Everybody else gets it September uh, 6th. And they showed some trailers, which a lot of these are just more trailers. Um, State of Decay 2. They, uh, I don't know if this is where, this was the announcement of it, but they showed details about their upcoming Daybreak DLC. Uh, the big takeaway from it for me, um, State of Decay 2, I lost a lot of interest in really quick because of some of the way the systems work. It was interesting. It's a good concept. I just think the execution could have used some more work. Um, but this DLC, and I'm not familiar with the other DLC. I'll throw it out there now. Um, I didn't know yeah. it existed, really, to be honest. Um, even though I probably got it for free because I think I bought the, the you know, uh, season pass bundle, whatever you want to call it, gold edition. I have to go back and actually check. But this DLC adds another mode, which it's 
a horde mode, or it's a you survive waves of enemies essentially. Um, I guess it's mm-hmm. kind of a horde mode, uh, and it was interesting in that you have permadeath except you respawn, um, which sounds contradictory, but uh, the character you play dies and then you respawn as a different player, a different character, or something like that. So you're not just respawning with your stuff. I guess you're starting fresh with another character. I don't know exactly how it works um, in this sense, but it's it's odd because this is separate from the main game. This is actually a whole yeah. different mode, but mm-hmm. apparently it will benefit your single-player game. Um, so with how much emphasis is put on the single-player game on managing your individual people, it seems odd to have another mode that has no relation to your single player game as far as I know, but then it benefits it. Um, right. That's just kind of odd. Um, I'll, I really should look more into it. Maybe once it comes out, I'll look into it and all the other DLC, see if it's worth me going back to the game. Um, cause if I don't have the season pass right now, I probably won't play a DLC. Um, right. Yeah. Same here. Um, oh, I don't have the game at all. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, sea of Thieves gets a new DLC, which uh, we've talked about Sea of Thieves a bit. It's a bit, <laughs> it's definitely not what we were expecting, um, with that mm-hmm. type of game. I understand people, why they have fun with it, but even the people that have fun with it realize how little content the game actually has. Um, yeah. They've put out several DLCs and they have helped. Um, there's a lot more content to the game now. It seems like a lot more fun to play um, as an individual and as a group than it was when it first launched. So good on them. Um, and this DLC looks uh, Forsaken Shores adds like volcano, vo- uh, volcanic islands uh, to it, which seem they look cool. Um, so, hey, games are going in the right direction. Uh, improvements are improvement. Good on them. Uh, Fallout 76, they showed a new trailer, um, and footage that focused on the base building aspect of the game, um, to talk about something else that happened. I didn't even know what happened until I was looking up this Gamescom stuff and watching it, but I had forgotten that Fallout 76 was going to be talked about at QuakeCon. Um, so at QuakeCon, they had talked more about the PVP and the level up system. Um, so the level up system, I I don't want to spend too much time on Fallout 76. Uh, I know a lot of people are feeling very negative about the game right now, but, um, I still hold out hope. Um, but so the perk system, every time you level, you pick, you know, your special to put a point into, and then your perks are actually determined by cards you have, and you get these cards every time you level, and every, I want to say it's every third level up to a point, and then every five levels after that, you get a pack of cards that you get to choose from on top of your normal level reward, um, and you slot in perks using your special points you've allocated by leveling. Uh, mm-hmm. And that determines your skills and whatnot and your bonuses, I mean, your perks. Uh, so some of them are better for solo play, some of them are better for PvP, or not PvP, but uh, group play. Maybe some are better 
for PvP, I don't know. But you get to choose kind of your build, and you can swap them out at any time. Um, so if you're out gathering, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, I want to go kill all these things, well, okay, I can switch to a more offensive build. Um, it seems like there was a bit of controversy because a lot of people thought, oh, great, now it's pay to win. You know, you just buy card packs. But that's not the case. You can only get them by leveling. Um, Good. So I think that uh, that quickly got resolved via, you know, uh, what's his name? Putting a tweet out on Twitter uh, saying, no, it's not. You can only get it from leveling. And people are like, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, I don't recall what all was said about PvP. Um, PvP is going to be odd in that game. Uh, oh, it was about the anti-griefing stuff. Um, mm. basically, and this is actually pretty cool. Uh, if the, so when you encounter another person in the world and in MMOs, typically what happens is you run into someone else. If they're a PVP or, or a griefer or, you know, something in between, they're just going to murder you or attempt to, you know, and fallout 76, apparently the first hit will do like a quarter of the damage. Uh, kind of basically essentially as a warning shot. Mm-hmm. And if you as a player doesn't want to do that, you can turn around and run away. Now, they may nice. still kill you, but if they kill you, they are now wanted for murder. <laughs> because they murdered someone that was actually running away. They didn't want to fight. So now it's, you know, right. you're now you, you've, you know, committed a crime essentially. So you, you, Get a, uh, like marker on you. You show up on the map for all players now. Um, I think there might even be a bounty placed on you. Yeah, I thought I heard something so, about a bounty. I might be mistaken, but yeah, yeah, that sounds really awesome. Sounds like a really yeah. good way to counter griefers. Um, I thought I just had as though, what if people just turn their backs just to get that triggered, you know, and then turn around and kill yeah. them, but. It, it, that's a that's an uphill battle with shit like that, man. Yeah. Like, I I commend companies for doing their best to try to thwart griefing, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I've had to learn a hard lesson in life that that's some you know you can't always fucking be mad at somebody for how they want to have fun with the game, and that's apparently some people's fun. Yeah, it just sucks, and you know. But yeah, I th- good on them. Thank you. Keep trying. If it doesn't work, tweak it, make it better. Awesome. Oh yeah, and that's. You know, and that's one of the things about Fallout 76 is keep in mind, this is all one big experiment. Mm-hmm. This is them going, hey, we'd like to base building and we want to do more base building in four, but, you know, we didn't quite get it in time and it wasn't what we wanted to do. You know, it didn't, it didn't feel like it fit in four. So we're just going to do this other game unrelated and use some of those mechanics, expand on them, add multiplayer, you know, because we couldn't do it in four. Let's see how it goes. If it goes well, great. If not, okay a learning experience you know it's not mm-hmm. oh it's gonna be shit and shame on them for even making the game come on yeah. that's a shitty attitude to have um yep but yeah so they showed the base building stuff which i don't think was really anything new they just kind of emphasized it more or really you know answered i guess a few more questions about it i mean the big thing is you have your camp, which I think they hadn't actually announced the name of, but maybe that's what the big thing was. But you have your camp, which is an acronym. I don't know what it stands for. You know, something funny, fallouty, whatever. Um, but you pick up your camp and you can take it anywhere. You know, if you want to relocate your base and it'll, it basically blueprints everything and builds it back out. Um, mm. Nothing we didn't already know, I think. 
Um, I was much more interested in the stuff from QuakeCon. Um, but that's so close yet so far uh, for Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. That's uh, November 14th. And the beta is uh, oops. the beta is October. So it's not a very long beta. Um, there's actually a big uproar about that, but whatever. I don't care. Um, yeah. It's a beta. It's uh, a beta, and you get to play with the construction and assembly mobile platform. Yeah. Um, the next game was Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Uh, did you play Ori in the Blind Forest? Ah, man, it's like you read my mind sometimes. <laughs> uh, so this was one of the many, many, many games that I bought at the last, uh, at the summer uh, Steam sale of 2018. Mm-hmm. And I did put in probably about an hour into this game. I can see, I can see where people like it. Uh, it, it didn't blow my mind. Uh, if I'm stacking this game up against like, uh, like I, I, the thing that twigged me about this game is the fact that it's 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 word of mouth pushed to me as a Metroidvania. Like, good, I'm in, I'm ready to go, let's do mm-hmm. it. Uh, this compared to say Hollow Knight, it completely underwhelmed me compared to Hollow Knight. It has some cool control, uh, good controls. It's it's got a it's got its own it's got its own thing. You know, it's it's it's, it's I just wasn't extremely interested. Sure, I saw the potential, and granted, I only put about an hour into it. But mm. it's one of those that once I get out of this whatever roar I'm in now, <laughs> including Star uh, Spider Man, and you know whatever else I work on after that, I'm going to get around to giving it another another solid try. It just seemed very okay. I, I did say it very, very underwhelming. Uh, but again, if I'm putting up against Hollow Knight, it's just Hollow Knight just blew me away, and I just had it. I went through that game twice. Uh, yeah. So when I was thinking in my mind, you know, another Metroidvania, that's what this was. I went to go play this, and went, oh, it's okay. You know, it's it's, it's just middle middle ground for me. I, I'd have to give it some more time. And uh, maybe take some notes on it and see what, you know, if I'm continuously underwhelmed or if it gets better or what. But that's where okay. I am. So as far as Ori and the Wild Wisps, I'm trying to stay blind to it. Not, I don't think there's much from the story that, that, that the trailers can spoil for me. Yeah. But, you know, it's, 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 it's simple. You know, I haven't played the first one, so I'm not... It's not that I'm not interested in the second one. I'm just indifferent to it, you know. Yeah, they showed... Uh Basically, all they showed at Gamescom uh, was that the, a new mode that's going to be in, which are basically time trials. Uh, so there'll be little in-game leaderboards against their friends for little stage sections. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're full stages or just parts of it or a combination, but okay. Fun little thing. Um, it doesn't have a firm release date. It's just 2019 right now. Um, yeah. I've also not played the first one. I got my understanding the first one, one reason it was so popular, and it, it's got mostly positive reviews on Steam, you know, in the thousands. It's very, very popular. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding is that most of that popularity comes from the atmosphere of the game, the yeah. s- story of the game, you know. Yeah. One of the tags for it on Steam is cute, you know. <laughs> yeah. So people like yeah. it because it's a cute game. Totally get I it. I can. S- I can totally see how like the graphics and or the style and or like it, it's got a lot of kind of like the blooming effects like mm-hmm. it looks it looks good I will yeah. say that but you know it, it, it is a personal taste like the whole the whole 
the theme doesn't exactly fit for me. The, sure. the the style of it is not really all there for me. So I fall back to the gameplay. The gameplay has to wow me now, and it's okay. It's not you know blowing my socks off. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those games I just actually added to my wish list. I thought it was on there before, but it wasn't. Um, I'll eventually play it. I probably should have picked it up yeah. on the sale like you did, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Happy for him though. Game's so popular, and a lot of people are really, really happy about the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, the next game they showed was Metro Exodus, um, mm-hmm. which comes out in February. We already knew that part, um, but they showed off a new level slash environment. Um, I'm not sure exactly how the Metro games are uh, structured, so you mm-hmm. know I can't speak too intelligently. But they basically showed a new level, um, a little bit more gameplay. Um, so nothing huge there. Uh, they showed, um, I don't know, I think this is the first time they've showed this trailer, uh, for Life is Strange 2, episode mm-hmm. one. Um, mm-hmm. have you played Life is Strange? I vicariously through the two best friends played okay. that. I didn't, it wasn't, I could tell from a distance this game was not really for me. Sure. Uh, I, I got the fairly realistic but a little bit of of a of a fantasy vibe from it but it it wasn't ever a game i was ever going to pick up and then watching the whole entire gameplay through i kind of felt the same way at the end i was like "Mm, it's interesting uh i know there are people who are doing 20 backflips over this sequel they (laughs) love the first game and that's great i never want to discredit anybody's like if you like life is strange and that game is like the number two game of that year for you awesome but for me Meh, it didn't really do it for me. Yeah, but the to uh, the point to the, to the degree of I'm sorry the sorry. I think it was at E3 Square revealed that trailer for uh the the boy that pretended he had superpowers and people were yeah. like this is this is in the universe's life is strange and it has that same look and same appeal and mm-hmm. same aesthetics and they were going crazy and I was like meh well that's <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah uh, it's just just not a game for me yeah totally understandable you know it happens. Not all games are for all gamers, and a lot of people, you know, <laughs> kind of tend to forget that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so Life is Strange 2 Episode 1 actually comes out in a month, uh, September 27th. So mm-hmm. those fans don't have long to wait. Now, the next one is one you uh, probably have more to say about than me, but yeah. Devil May Cry 5 got a release date, and they showed yeah, off yeah. some new stuff. Got to see the new trailer, uh, got to see some more gameplay, a lot of arrow combat with, uh, the, the main character. Uh, and of course, for me, the biggest takeaway, the biggest, uh, the biggest like, oh shit, okay, that was worth watching the trailer was showing Dante, uh, dr- ride in on a motorcycle and then, <laughs> oh man, he fucking picks up the motorcycle and it splits in two yeah. <laughs> and he uses it as like fucking bladed cudgels yeah oh man i was like that okay now this is now devil may cry okay (laughs) on the combat uh, is an essential part of devil may cry i'll give you that yes but dante picking up a fucking motorcycle and splitting it in two and using it as two weapons that are like awesome fucking demonic looking weapons and then putting them back together and riding off on the same motorcycle yes that is what you need capcom that's what you stick with that stick with it yeah and you on the spreadsheet now you see in my little comment section release date new trailer and gameplay when Mm -hmm. i first watched that all that said was 
motorcycle swords question mark <laughs> that was my takeaway it i was, was like so good okay what is so this so good that took me back to devil may cry 3 and beating Navon and her turning into a fucking guitar scythe that mm-hmm. i was like mm. again it sounds it sounds corny it sounds cheesy that's fine it sounds so fucking b-movie-ish but that that has always fit for devil may cry for me mm-hmm. like that's always been it's like if you watch the story of devil may cry one it's like eh, whatever devil may cry through i heard there was a devil may cry too but i don't I guess there's a sequel. Uh, the third one gets a little bit better, but they still play some of that cheese in there. They still put some of that, you know, a little bit wacky out there. I mean, come on. At the beginning of the game, he gets stabbed by like six fucking scythes and then he starts kicking their asses anyway. Like that's, that fits that. And I mm-hmm. like that. So keep, keep that up. In that universe, in the universe of Devil May Cry, it fits perfectly. Yeah. And the release date for that is March 8th. Mm-hmm. So not a whole mm-hmm. uh, lot of time for that either. Um, yep. Like I said, all of these games, not far away. And uh, another another, uh, mm-hmm. another passionate fucking person on the stage talking about their game too. I don't remember their names. Uh, I should. I think uh, Hideki. Oh, I should know that. That's so bad. Devil May Cry. Uh, creators, I'm sorry, I've got to do this on the fly because <laughs> I, I need to do him justice. Uh, Hideki Kamiya, yeah, I was close, mm-hmm. and I forget the American. Uh, the I want to say he may be the a Ninja Theory guy that's helping work on it. Uh, somebody will Sounds correct right. me, or I'll or I'll look for it. But anyway. Those two were on stage doing like a one-on-one interview mm-hmm. or, or a two-on-one interview with the guy. And yeah, no, two-on-two actually because they were both talking about it. And uh, just hearing them talk about like, yeah, this is what we put into it. This is the passion and this is like what we want. Like they really want to make it a point that, you know, the devil may cry that we know and love is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's good. If you keep keep that mentality, I mean, I'm kind of a little on the fence because you have another character, you possibly uh, Nero, who's the main character again. Man, come on, guys, you don't have to do that. Like, if you <laughs> really want this to be Devil May Cry, keep fucking Dante in there. But you know, the game could the game's probably going to be great, and maybe it'll mm-hmm. have enough Dante in there where it won't even matter. Mm-hmm. So, but I love their passion, man. I love I love hearing them talk about it. They're like, Devil May Cry is here, man. Yeah, we're fucking yeah. doing it. That's the vibe we got from at E3 as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the next game that they showed didn't seem like it was literally anything new was Sable. This is a very artsy type game. It's supposed to have, you know, a bunch of different uh, uh, influences. Um, but... Uh, it just kind of looked odd to me. Um, doesn't come out until 2019, so maybe they'll show more and I'll be more interested in it. But right now, I don't know. I might watch someone else play a little bit of it just to see what it looks like. But it may the just DMC be... The 5 guy was uh, Matt Walker. Sorry, I had a... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, with Sable, I just... I don't know. I feel like when when on... PS4, we got Journey, which was an interesting mm-hmm. little game. It was more of a experience, it seemed, than an actual, you know, 
fully fledged game in my eyes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is cool. Totally fine with that. Um, because people, that's why they played it. Once they saw what it was, they're like, oh, hey, this is cool. You know, um, I feel like Sable is kind of a follow up to that with having a artistic style to it. But it's yeah. a very odd one um, for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with the reference material they're using. I'm, yeah, I don't know. They didn't show yeah, anything new that I know of. I feel you. Here's my take on this game. Uh, it's it's going to sound kind of assholeish, I guess, but <laughs> whatever. I don't know what the fuck this game is, and I don't care. Like I see the trailer, I see I see a character getting on like a hover bike and flying around. I see mm-hmm. some walking around. I see some type of adventure game that looks like it belongs on Steam that has a pencil uh, drawn shader uh, pack over it. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Like, <laughs> I again, this is another one where people are like, "That game looks so good. It looks so awesome." I'm like, yeah, it has its own little unique look to it, but what? is the game like what am i doing why why am i interested in the game because i don't play games just for art you know when i played god of war and the graphics in god of war were great that was a plus but mm-hmm. i didn't pick up the game because oh man the fucking the, the the fucking detail in his shield was awesome you know that's an extra uh it's the same way for me with uh journey i never played journey uh because i didn't know what the game was and it looked interesting and had mm-hmm. its little little appeal to it i get that but i didn't know what the game was and even the, even after the fact after the game got released and i heard people talking about it i still didn't really understand what the game like was what's the point of it oh it's just an experience well Okay, I'll just I'll get around to that then. That's I don't know why I, I don't know if I'm just being binary in my thought, but like if you can't explain the game to me other than it's just an experience, I'm not exactly really interested. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of what I saw with this game. I see this some type of somewhat adventure game with a fucking pencil filter over it. I hear you. Meh. Doesn't really doesn't really blow me away and make yeah. me want to go buy the games. So. I think that's one of those games that has a particular audience, and that's it. Right. This this is for somebody. This is for some. This is for a group of people. Um, and I hope it's I hope it's right up your alley. But me just looking from the outside in, not interested. Yeah. Um, something that was an interesting little segment. They had a little documentary type thing about Halo Fireteam Raven, which is a arcade mm-hmm. Halo game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was even a thing. I thought this was like something new coming out, but apparently it's already here in the U.S. and it's about to be released or releasing soon in uh, Europe or U.K. or somewhere. I don't know if it's just all of Europe or just particular U.K. I can't remember uh, specifically, but it was a neat little thing they showed, you know, showing them making the cabinets and the work going into it. That's always neat to see. Um, and it's Halo. I love Halo. Um, yeah, I actually yeah. got an email today that there's a new book, a new Halo novel coming out uh, in like oh, a week yeah. and a half. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was coming out. Great. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the email. I went and pre-ordered it. Um, yeah. Because I talked about it before. I, I've read literally every Halo novel there is. Um, I love the Halo universe. So anytime I see something Halo, I'm like, all right, I'm at least going to check it out. Um, the next game they talked about was Daisy. You know, also topical from last week. Um, yeah. Not a great uh, history on early access. And apparently they're going to spread that to Xbox with the game preview program uh, mm-hmm. next week on the 29th of August. Um, I 
I don't know that they announced anything new or special. They just talked a little bit about the production, I think. Um, and yeah. that was it. I was like, okay, more days. A don't care. Never cared about the game. Maybe when it's finished, I'll check it out, but it's not got that same feel like seven days to die where I want to play it as it's being made, you know? Right. So, and I don't know. This, uh, yeah. This game, this this uh, this shit was like in the early two thousands, you know, thirteen something around that time frame. So the fact that it's coming out now on Xbox One, it's like, you know, okay. Uh, and I'm not. That's that's not me saying that it, that an old game can't be enjoyed as I'm playing through Persona Four. It's just I didn't. It's just fit many games of this Gamecom thing where I just I was like, yeah, okay, no. No. I mean, it's not even coming out as game preview. It's still early access. It's just early right. access on console. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. Um, the next one they showed was The Division 2. I literally have no notes for it because I kind of zoned out. I don't know if they even showed anything new. Um, <laughs> I think they just showed another trailer. Um I'm yeah, I feel I feel I feel so fucking out of the loop with this game because they are pushing this division nonsense, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what was the first division? I never even played that. I, I barely did. even heard about it. So yeah. I, I played the first one, and I was pretty disappointed overall with it because the grind did not feel good. Um, mm-hmm. It and it's kind of funny because when it came out, it was like, okay, this is a Destiny competitor. You know, but after coming from Destiny and playing it, I was like, this does not feel good. This feels so forced. The map is just ridiculous. The kind of progression structure um, really turned me off of the game. And I I just flat out quit it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. I may just pick up Division 2 and see if if it's better. You know, I'll watch a little bit more first before I actually buy this one, but... If it's better, maybe I'll pick it up. I'll never touch Division 1 again, I don't think, um, which is sad. I I don't mind that style of game. I just don't think it was executed as well as it could be. Um, Yeah. Anything that I've seen, uh, just gameplay of Division 1 trailers and whatnot, again, it was just meh. Nothing really, nothing really just grabbed me. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, I... I looked through the IGN thing. They don't even have it listed. So I guess it had literally zero <laughs> things new. Because yeah. the the um, the article, I think, is only supposed to be new stuff. Uh, not just everything shown. It may be everything. Yeah. Um, yeah so, whatever. Um, the next thing they showed was Shadow of the Tomb Raider. They showed a new trailer. Game mm-hmm. still looks good. Um, I still can't wait to play it. Uh, it comes out September 14th. Man, that's soon. Mm-hmm. That's literally three weeks away. Yep. All right. Spider-Man <laughs> comes out a week before that. There's yeah. so much to play. So much to play. <laughs> uh, it's going to get busy. Um, yeah. Oh, let me switch back to my right tab. Um, but yeah, new trailer. So great. Um, the next thing they showed was this Dark Pictures Anthology thing, which is going to be a set of games based on movies or something. Um, I, I guess. I I actually didn't include this one on my list at first because I thought I was just talking about movies, and then it was like, no, it's games based on these or something like that. 
I I need a bit more information on it. I probably should have looked more into it. I don't know if this is something that was just announced. I think this was just announced, so I don't know how much information there really is for it. Yeah. But yeah, um, creators of Until Dawn and Man of Medan is the first game out of those. Uh, what's an anthology? How many is that? Is that a set number? I thought an anthology was like any any large okay. number. In That's a series. what I thought. Okay, but I think I saw something that said five. So who knows? Because um, like I think was it Final Fantasy anthology was just four and five, like something like that. So yeah, that was only yeah. two games. So uh, a a published collection of poems or other pieces of writing. <laughs> so. It's not an anthology at all. Actually, it's a published collection of stories or musical songs or composite. Shut up. Just <laughs> <laughs> go ahead uh, and get that guy right out of the way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it Okay, if you're a horror fan, I guess it has something for you because um, it's all horror games. Uh, yeah. Um, the next one they talked about was Forza Horizon 4. They didn't do it at E3, but they had to do it here, where they bring out some ridiculous car, um, (laughs) which is, they're cool to look at, but it's like, okay, come on, let's talk about game and stuff. Uh, They did apparently (laughs) show a new mode for the game, Uh, whatever, it's Forza Horizon. Um, I'm sure it's a lovely game, but whatever, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in it. uh, I already talked about the next one, Shinmu 3. Uh, got its release date in a year. Um, and then that was... That actually wasn't part of the Xbox one. That was something that followed it somewhere else. Um, yeah. Also elsewhere, they talked about some new video cards being released. The uh, GeForce RTX 2080 and 2080Ti. Um, and a 2070 version coming later. Um, another thousand dollar video card. I'm not doing uh-huh. it. You know, the TI is yeah. like, uh, or I think it's 800 and TI is a thousand or something, whatever. Way more yeah. than I'm going to spend. Um, yep. I, it hurt. It physically hurt to pay like the 350 I did for my card I have. No and that's essentially half shit. price. Um, yep. that's the only reason I paid that much was because I was already paying for something more. Mm-hmm. The video card I have is like a $700 card. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't own it if it wasn't for getting a discount on it because it's pre-owned from a friend. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They showed new cinematic trailers or released them for the characters, uh, both main characters. Um, I actually haven't watched them. I don't know that I will. Um, I just want to play the game. Um mm-hmm. This is one of those games where I don't need to see more. I'm going to play it. Uh, I think I technically have it ordered on Xbox already, which is why I didn't talk about it on Amazon pre-orders earlier. That's only my Amazon orders. Yeah. On Xbox, I have more. I have Fallout 76 pre-ordered. I have Assassin's Creed Odyssey pre-ordered. Uh, or no, Odyssey was on Amazon. Um, Fallout's on Xbox. It's hard to keep them all up, you know, track of. Um, you know, it probably for you, it probably transcends like I don't even need it. It's not that it's not just that I don't need to see anything more. I don't want to see anything more. You know, I want whatever options you're going to have a surprise or what new features. Let it be yeah. a surprise. You know, at this point, I'm already sold. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Origins was the test, you know. Are the, did the gap do them good? Are they back on track? I think so. So I'm looking forward to Odyssey. If they didn't show a single trailer in the year, I'd be playing it. I'd be just as excited to, you know, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so. But yeah, those trailers are out there. They showed some more other gameplay stuff, I think. Uh, but like I said, I haven't watched any of it because I don't need to. Uh, but if you're on the fence, go take a look. See what you think about it. Yep. Um, this next one is another one that you may be more excited about. Uh, oh, Resident yes Evil 2. I am. Oh, yeah. They showed uh, Claire Redfield. Screenshots and yep. gameplay. Yep. And this is uh, just what I was just talking about. This is one where I just need to stop because uh, I Resident Evil 2 is arguably one of my favorite Resident Evils of all time. And it fights Resident Evil 4, hands down. And it also fights the the uh, Resident Evil remake. I love those. Those are those are up there, and I mean, man, just playing the Resident Evil remake after having went through the first Resident Evil like four or five, six, seven times, mm-hmm. and that game capturing the essence of Resident Evil One, capturing the feel and putting you right back in that feeling. I love that. That's exactly what I get when I'm looking at Resident Evil Two. You know, they're taking that game and they're overhauling that game not just a facelift and you're like whoa why are you changing everything they're like no 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 trust me we're changing everything for the better everything that i see about resident evil 2 i love i'm enjoying i don't need to see anything else about resident evil 2 well today i was looking at the uh, article for gamescom this year and i saw the pictures and it was showing claire redfield cool it showed some uh, sherry birkin pictures cool and then it showed william fucking birkin the mutated gigantic eyeball in the arm and i was like oh i know he's gonna be there but i didn't want to see him yet <laughs> oh no so I'm going black uh, all the way on Resident Evil 2, Internet Black, all the way, Internet Dark. I'm going away from it. I don't want to see any more pictures, screenshots, trailers. I'm already sold on Resident Evil 2. I don't need to see anything else. And at this point, anything you're probably going to show me new is going to be uh, is going to be spoiler for me. Yeah. I remember at E3 this year, there was lots of gameplay demo. I think the last, I think the last gameplay demo that I saw for uh resident evil 2 was maximilian dude he did like a so many people have done the 25 30 minute whatever gameplay uh and his was the one that i picked just gonna like maximilian dude another uh, content creator that i like to push out there and him and everybody else echoed the same thing when they went down the corridor they were looking for the liquor and you never got to see it and i'm like i don't want to see it now i didn't see it for the trailers I didn't, <laughs> nobody showed it it hasn't been seen yet all right, all right you've had your, you had your chance don't don't see nothing else i'm good yeah uh this game is going to be really good man i'm telling you it's going to be good for the resident evil 2 audience and it's going to be good for people that hasn't ever played resident evil before this is ah it's good I love the amount of the amount of detail, the amount of love and care they're putting into this game. So it's yeah, good stuff. It looks like uh, it looks like it's not just going to be one of those remakes where it's like okay, whatever. It's going to actually be mm-hmm. done well. It looks like it's going to take advantage of the hardware. Um, mm-hmm. It looks good. Um, I may uh, hop in particular- into it. Yeah, in particular, I remember uh, the Easy Allies guys talking about uh, 
a very interesting thing because this is so this is a remake of a game you know this mm-hmm. there was a Resident Evil 2 in the past and people have probably went through that game multiple times I'm looking at myself who went through it six times straight one time to get I think <laughs> Tofu was who you got unlocked after yeah. that one uh, it was either Hunk or Tofu one of those two either way so there are people out there that know this game like the back of your hand and uh, Michael Damiani was talking about how he went through and like typically the first thing you want to do when you get into the Raccoon City Police Department is go to the left because that's usually where you're blockaded to go through. That's that's the, the access that you have. And this game, no, they make you go to the right. So already you're outside of your element. Mm-hmm. You may know most of what's going to happen in the rooms to the right. But you're not going, you're not used to going that way early. That's just one example of how Resident Evil did it too, where it's like they, they change your expectations. You're not just going to fly through this game just because you speed run Resident Evil 2, you know? Sure. You're going to have to relearn a new game. That, that leaves room for them to add surprises, surprises to a game that's already been out, a game that people already know. And that's, ah, I love that. (laughs) Thank you for doing that. You know, thank you for making this old experience new again. Yeah. So, uh, the next one, they our next one I have on my list is, uh, shadows die twice, um, which Mm -hmm. was interesting game. We saw it eat three. Um, it has a release date now. I don't know if it was announced at Gamescom or it's just coincident. It was like a day or two before. I was kind of hard to figure exactly out, but it's coming out March 22nd. Um, mm-hmm. So now we know when that's coming out. Um, I'm not sure how much interest I have in the game. Um, I may have to wait and see when it's closer to coming out uh, to make a decision on it. Yeah. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, uh, they showed new arsenal map gameplay i don't know what any of that means because i don't play <laughs> call of duty um but that was a thing uh today at blizzard uh, their little thing i didn't watch the wow segment segment because it related to the expansion that just released apparently from what i was hearing um before i turned it off so i was like okay i don't care about wow to begin with but you're just showing more expansion stuff that just came out so I don't know if it's like yeah. you were talking about where they release something else following it up, you know, a harder difficulty yeah. or, you know, unlocking something after a certain amount of time. I don't know. But they talked about that afterwards. But the reason I tuned into this was because Bungie was hosting them on Twitch when it started. So, mm-hmm. and the uh, the title was Cade's Last Stand. Um which they have announced and shown, um, and it's just kind of their headline for year two and the DLC and whatnot for, you know, Destiny 2 Forsaken, is that apparently Cade dies, you know? Which, mm-hmm. and I've talked about this before, he's a main character. They're going to have to pull something really big to uh, to make up for that, I think. Um, which people have different opinions on it, you know. It is good in a sense that the game's going to go back kind of to more of the darker aspect. But this uh, trailer was really good. Um, I expect nothing less from Bungie, especially especially now that they're associated with Blizzard, who are mm. known for making some of the most insane uh, trailers. Um, oh, yeah. 
so they showed this and it was it was really good um it was definitely the you know gut-wrenching thing that i expected i almost didn't watch it um because i know it's going to be in the game it's probably going to be in the first you know 30 minutes or so of it but still i almost didn't want it ruined but it's definitely got me uh excited to see more even with you know the thought of him not coming back, which is what they've said. You know, he doesn't come back. Um, and this trailer kind of shows, leads uh, more credence to that as well. But uh, aside from that, they also showed uh, a trailer. It's not new, but they showed a exotic equipment trailer um, showing off some of the new exotic gear that's going to be on year two. Um, I'm still pretty interested to try out the uh, bow and arrows. Uh and a gun game, a bow and arrow is always interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm curious how they're going to implement it. Um, there's also some armor in there and whatnot. I mean, it's some of it's interesting. Some of it I'm looking at, I'm going, man, it's going to suck in PvP. Um, <laughs> they showed uh, another trailer, not really a new anything new, I don't think, but for Gambit, the new PvP or PvE PV game because it's primarily pve with pvp in it so i think it's pvevp um (laughs) uh it looks like a cool mode still um so if anyone's not checked that i suggest go watching the gambit uh videos but the big thing the biggest takeaway aside from the cade's last end trailer today was that the gambit is going to be free to try on september 1st Oh, wow. So you're just going to be able to try, and that's going to be after the changes are made to the weapon system. So they're uh, on Tuesday, actually, in a handful of days from when we're recording this, they're going to be changing the slots where they're not as locked as they are. They're not, because right now they're uh, primary, secondary, and heavy, which is actually not the name in Destiny 2. Um, It's like primary special whatever don't care energy energy that's the word for special now don't care (laughs) anyway i keep saying i don't care and i keep going back to it because i hate not knowing the right (laughs) word but uh anyway so those changes are going live so you know those people joke about oh okay well i'm gonna be able to carry three shotguns you very well may be have a primary secondary and heavy shotgun all at once you're gonna be shotgun you know crazy it's gonna suck in pvp but it's cool as at the same time because you're now freeing up uh, or providing more options. Because right now it sucks because, okay, I can only put a shotgun in my heavy. I like that for PvP. For PvE, that sucks because shotguns are yeah. so good. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, well, can you kind of not punish PvE for PvP? Um, which now it's going to suck in PvP because people are going to just have a million shotguns. Uh, yep. Hopefully it helps balance it out some, but... Um, I'm really curious. Someone joked about going into, you know, Gambit with three rocket launchers to be the one to go through and <laughs> rocket launcher the other team. That's their whole purpose. Mm-hmm. They're useless throughout the entire match until that point, you know, and then they can yep. just go in and use all their rocket ammo and they're like, all right, my job's done. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to add so much more to the game to be able to have that flexibility. Uh, uh, even from, you know, not just PvP, but PvE as well, having a fusion rifle and other slots instead of just heavy, which really sucks as well. Um, and then being able to do those 
uh, have those changes, get, not even be used to them yet, and then Gambit be available to play, uh, mm. which looks like a lot of fun. Um, as someone who mostly likes PvE, um, despite my earlier comments about, you know, preferring Crucible over Strikes, that's just because of those game modes. I primarily like PvE. Um, so to have that mix and the way it works, it seems really well-balanced, I think is a way to put it, in uh, how much of each there is. You know, it's a kind of a little bit of PvP in a PvE mode, which really appeals to me. I don't mind that um, as much as, you know, just straight-up PvP can be sometimes. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and the, the Forsaken DLC comes out September 4th. Um, so that's a week and a half from now. <laughs> uh, so much to play. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. So after that, they talked a little bit about Overwatch. Um, I think they were announcing a new character. May have been showing more about a new character previously announced. I know nothing about Overwatch right now. I haven't played it since yeah. it first came out and I got to try it for free or something. Uh, during one of their free play periods. So, hey, good for you fans. You get another character. Yeah. Hope it doesn't People screw up the it. meta. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, Heroes of the Storm got a new map, uh, which I'm not a MOBA fan, but the way they were explaining the map, I actually listened to this for some reason, even though I don't play the game. Uh, the map sounds really interesting. Um, from what little I know about the game and I've watched about the game, it sounds like this mechanic is going to be interesting. It's uh, based off WoW is what it is. So you have Horde versus Alliance as your sides on this. Um, and instead of your little tower, castle, crystal, whatever it is that you have to destroy to win the match overall, um, you have the leaders of each faction. And they fight back. Um, so it sounds really cool. Um, new mechanic. As far as I know, that's new mechanically overall, period. Having not a tower there, or crystal, whatever it is. Um, having this actual boss, so to speak, that will fight back. Mm. Um, that's it on my spreadsheet. Was there anything else in the IGN that jumped out at you? I know there's a bunch of indie stuff talked about, but I haven't followed any of that. Because um, yeah. I haven't really seen it really gone into. Yeah, not really. I mean, I see some Cyberpunk 2077 stuff in there, but it's, yeah. you know, new screenshots, new stuff like that. And, yeah. I, you know, kind of the same feel. Like, it, it'll be cool to see the stuff. It'd be interesting to hear how the game is developing, mm -hmm. like what new options and things like that. But I'm kind of staying away from spoiling anything else on that one. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's so far out, potentially. I don't even know if they've even given a rough estimate of when it's coming out. That I don't really, I don't really care until we have a release date. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know how long we have to wait. So I'm going to wait two years and okay, cool. It's coming out eventually. Yeah. I won't care until a year and a half from now, you know? I'll kind of say that same thing as well for, uh, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I mean, mm -hmm. come on, guys. This is a from software developer. I already know I'm going to be all in this game. <laughs> Uh, I've seen enough of the bosses. I think I've only seen a couple. I've seen what the E3 conference showed, and that was enough for me. Like, that's another another one of those games where, like, I don't want to have any more bosses revealed. I don't want to have any more weapons or more mechanics or anything that 
uh, I preach this to this day, the absolute best way to go into any of those games, Demon's Souls, Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, and Bloodborne, and any and all the DLC, is going as blind as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Have somebody put that game on you, and they just say, go. That's that's the best way to go. And this is a From Software game, so it's the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Just because we didn't talk about it, it does not mean I'm not interested. I am very yeah. interested uh, to the point where it is pre-sold if I have the money. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's been there's been something for it, but I'm staying away from it. Yeah. Uh, um, something I... I don't really want to get into too much. I just kind of want to ask you in general. Um, this Gamescom, they talked a lot about stuff that's going to be available on the Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Sony, if I'm not mistaken, PlayStation did this first with their PlayStation Now. I don't know if that's the right program still. I know that's one that exists now, but I don't know if it's the same one I'm thinking of where you could, you know, basically pay one price to get access to a bunch of their games. Uh, the Xbox Game Pass, I'm I'm wondering if it's worth it. Something that turned me off with the PlayStation was, was that you actually streamed the games from them. Yeah. You didn't actually download them. And I don't like that because I, it gives you all kinds of de- delay and load issues and stuff. But with what I heard them say with Game Pass is you actually download the games just like you do now when you buy them. You know, yeah. You basically get temporary access to it. It's sounding better and better. You know, they're adding a lot of good games to it. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. like from this, the Halo Master Chief Collection is on it. If I didn't own that game, that alone could be a reason for me to do it, because yeah. that's so much content. And mm-hmm. they have a special now where it's like two bucks for the first month, and the second month is free. She told yeah. me I get access to all these games for two months for two dollars. Yep. That's that's hard to pass up. You know, I don't care what the the service is like. That's <laughs> good or bad. 2 bucks is 2 bucks. Yeah. That's that's hard to it's hard to argue against that. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, I would honestly have to go look up and find details on this cuz I just I kept hearing it mm-hmm. I kept hearing it for lack of a better word uh advertised over and over and over and over during Gamescom and I was like, uh, I yeah." Not not interested in being sold on a service right now, mm-hmm. uh, so I know jack about it. But okay. you know, yeah, that, that the special is out there. You're supposed to get the first two months basically for two bucks, so that's cool. Yeah, maybe uh, once we both do a little bit more homework on it, we can have a more educated discussion about it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to weigh it up against because honestly. Uh, the PlayStation Network thing for me is kind of like Amazon Prime. Like I purchased Amazon Prime. So I could have two day shipping free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so when they're throwing it, you know, you have audiobooks and music and movies and all this and it's they're like you really can use all this. I never do. And it's kind of the way with PSN for me. The only extra thing that I use for PSN is the fact that I get the free games. Like yeah. that's fucking awesome. Um I don't I don't know. I I'd have to look and see what this service is and compare mm-hmm. it and see, you know, what how it compares to the PSN yeah. if I'm even interested in getting it much less continue it. Yeah, I know Origin has their own version, which I looked at, but it's not really worth it because they don't have as big of a library. But when you're talking about something yeah. like Xbox or PlayStation, mm-hmm. those are libraries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, that's it for Gamescom uh, 2018. Uh, th- now I say that's it. That's it. That's not it for Gamescom. That's it for this episode because uh, it's it's still going on. It goes on uh, till the 25th. So there's still some more news and events that can come out of this. But uh, that's pretty much our take on it right now. Again, I I got most of this from E3. I didn't see anything headlining that just totally blew my mind. Uh, and what I watched just from the Xbox one alone, I was like, meh, okay, cool. Uh, seeing Dante with the fucking motorcycle swords, that's about the biggest takeaway I got, honestly. Mm-hmm. But uh, to our European audience, you know, I hope you got some good stuff out of this. I hope this was uh, informative for you. You got to see some new interesting stuff. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be an interesting uh, uh, ender here. You know, if we do have an I know we have a foreign audience. I know we do. I know we have people outside of the U.S. that listen to this. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, were you able to check out Gamescom this year? What did you What did you think about uh, the games that got announced? The trailers, uh, screenshots, news, anything? Did you Did you have any big takeaway moments? Uh, what did you think about the conference for Xbox? Did you find it interesting, boring? Uh, what, what What about Gamescom? Would you like to talk to the End of Time cast about? Uh, any persona persona information you want to talk about? Uh, Graveyard Keeper, another good one. Any, anything at all, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Almost forgot. Good Lord. For the first time in who knows how long. I honestly don't remember the last time we've had uh, an email on here. I think that was back in the early teen episodes. Yeah, the, the last <laughs> comment when you made your... When you, made your comment about the lack of comments. I was like, was I the last one? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, this will be uh, a section that we would, we'd actually have a whole entire section of this. It'd be our feedback section. Uh, we got a comment on uh, SoundCloud from, uh, the pitch, the perfect pitch. And he's talking about early access here. He says, uh, early access is such a touchy subject. There are great stories such as Space Engineers, for example. Uh, that game has come so far, but so many games that I have bought and so many more that I have, uh, that I haven't, uh, they must take the money and run. Uh, they just take the money and run. DayZ is one of my, is one of my biggest things. I remember being so excited, enjoying it at first, but you never evolved, but it never evolved. Uh, in fact, it got worse. Wow. That's topical right there. (laughs) (laughs) Also, seven days to die was great, but it suffered the same problem. Uh, things seem to never progress with so many seeming, so many seemingly great future titles, but lots of good things make it out. Like We Happy Few was early access at some point, and now look at it. It's a risk you take that you just have to pray it works out in your favor. Uh, thanks for that comment, Perfect Pitch. And yeah, I, I agree, man. Uh, anytime, especially the earlier you get into the phase, if the earlier that you're able to put money into it, man, they could just cut and run, not just because they're assholes, but because the, it just fell through. You know, the funding didn't mm-hmm. go the way they wanted to, or maybe they got gobbled up by another company and they said, yeah, you cut that. We're going to work on something else. Like there's always, there's always some positive sides while they have to cut, but you're, you're taking a gamble. Uh, the positive side is, man, yeah, you get to see that game develop from somewhere around the ground up. And that's, that, that's pretty cool. It's still early, as we mentioned on the early access uh, or early access episode. I mean, this is still kind of a baby budding thing, and uh, 
you know, we'll see how it goes as time goes on. We'll see if the process improves or, or falls through. We'll see what yeah. changes come about. And that was a good example with We Happy Few. Um, I know when that was in early access, it got a lot of questions about, you know, what is this? <laughs> Why is this like this? It seemed, I don't remember the details, but it had a lot of issues. Um, mm. I saw someone play some early, uh, an early version. I don't know if it's that even the early access or just a separate beta because it's a, you know, big time streamer. But, uh, it was, it didn't really interest me at all. It seemed very strange. Um, yeah. What little I saw of it, but it just released like a week and a half ago. Uh, maybe even two weeks now. And people seem to really like it. Yeah, that there's there's good cases and bad cases all around. And again, just time has got to tell on the uh, on the whole if this thing's mm-hmm. gonna skyrocket or whatever. It, the options there for you, there are early access titles for you to get in on. And I mean, if anything, it gives you some personal credit. Hey, man, I was with them. I was with this game from the get go. I got to see how it made this dramatic left hand turn, or I got to see how funding actually made the game better. It gave them more options. So, uh, for the audience out there, you could tune into our 254 episode where we talk about early access in, in general. And again, thanks for that comment, man. Uh, if you also, audience, have any comments on early access, uh, anything at all that we talked about in this episode or anything game-related, non-game-related, whatever you want to chat about, comments, complaints, we'll take it all. Uh, and there are many ways you can get a hold of us. You can find us on Facebook. You can just search Facebook for End of Time Cast. It'll take you right to us. It might be how you got to this episode right here. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny uh, numbers in there. Just spell it as you heard it. We still have a Twitter page. You can find us there. I mean, there are many ways to get a hold of us. And as the uh, the perfect pitch there, you see you can, at this early stage, you can still get your comment read on here. We like to we like to engage with our audience as much as humanly possible. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Uh, we will catch you in about a week. Until then... I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody.